Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Nobody does it better. You are going to listen to the break of dawn because I'm going to give you the information about the riot at the Brooklyn Bridge today. Stay tuned. You'll only learn about it here. A two for two. Vote for me and I'll set you free. Rap on, brother. Rap on. Well, the only person talking about love and brother is the preacher. And it seems nobody's interested in learning but the teacher. Segregation, determination, demonstration, integration, aggravation, humiliation, obligation to my
to all the Jews in Brooklyn who were advised by the NYPD yesterday, meaning Friday, not to go out on Shabbat. Jews were warned to stay out of Brooklyn. And clearly, you heeded the warning. Shame on all of you. Shame on all of you. As a mob went tearing through Brooklyn early in the afternoon, they gathered outside of the Brooklyn Museum. And this was not Jews for Hamas, Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinians. This was led by a group that I've dealt with many, many times before. Might as well be an adjunct of Black Lives Matter, now known as Big Large Mansions and Antifa. Having dealt with them in the summer of 2020 where I got my jaw broke, when we now know, according to a new book out by Melissa DeRosa, who is the aide-de-camp, uh, the, ga- the gatekeeper for then Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, that the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, Bill de Blasio, in fact, did give the orders to stand down to the NYPD as the mobs took to the street. Took to the street, and the only thing standing between them and total, total anarchy in Midtown Manhattan and Lower Manhattan back on June 1st and June 2nd of 2020 were the Guardian Angels. And I had a broken jaw as a result of getting hit with a claw hammer by Antifa. So I know what street battles are like. But I also know when you are told by the NYPD and others, Jews, stay out of Brooklyn. Don't go in there on Saturday. Because it isn't going to be safe for you. Advise not to go in to the area of Eastern Parkway where the mob had assembled. And then all along Flatbush Avenue as they worked their way down towards the Barclay Center. And then, without any explanation, the NYPD, which was so magnificent the week before in stopping the mob, on 72nd Street and 5th Avenue, almost at exactly the same time, when they decided to leave their safe zone, what I have oftentimes referred to in Bay Ridge as Little Ramallah for the Christian Arabs, and uh, the Palestine, Little Palestine for the uh, Muslim Arabs, when they decided to make their way to 3rd Avenue, the NYPD wisely formed a horseshoe preventing them from going any further, and there was a clash. There's no doubt about it. You saw the video. The NYPD got an A for their response, especially not only the cops of the nearby 68th Precinct in Bay Ridge, but the Strategic Response Group, which is responsible for political demonstrations, reining them in making sure it doesn't get out of hand. I'll give you a fuller explanation further into the program. You're not going to sleep to the break of dawn because no program is going to give you insight like this. It's not a 30-second soundbite. It's not a one-minute video. I'm going to tell you from beginning to end what happened earlier today in Brooklyn. But the die was cast when the NYPD, local officials, 
were advising Jews not to go out on Shabbat in Brooklyn and to stay out of Brooklyn. What the hell was that? And you heard me rail about that on Friday. Capitulation, waving the white flag, retreat, surrender. Are you out of your mind? I'll explain to you tactically why you have to have counter-protests. You must, because when there are no counter-protests, the mob moves with the tide. It goes wherever it wants to go. When there are counter-protests, the mob will not move on because they want to deal with the counter-protesters. It distracts them from their primary mission. And the leaders, the leaders are not able to get their members to continue going in the direction they want because they want conflict. They want to take on the counter-protesters, those waving the Israeli flags, the American flags. And in the initial demonstrations, that always took place. But imagine, and again, I can't say it enough. The New York City Police Department at the highest levels, elected officials throughout Brooklyn, advise the Jewish community that on Saturday they should not go out on Shabbat. And they meant it not just for the religious, the Orthodox, the Hasidim, especially the Lubavitch further down on Eastern Parkway from where the mob assembled outside of the Brooklyn Museum, outside of Grand Army Plaza and Prospect Park along Flatbush. Uh, there was concern that they would walk over to 770 Eastern Parkway, and I understand the concern, but it wasn't going to happen. The NYPD got faked out. They got an A last week for stopping the mob from going to 3rd Avenue. And by the way, they wisely chose that because at that time of night, on a Saturday night, like today, earlier on Saturday, with temperatures hovering around 70 degrees, tell me there's no global warming climate change where it's almost November. The street was filled with Irish going to their favorite gin mills on 3rd Avenue. The Hop Bar, The Wicked Monk, Three Jolly Pigeons, The Salty Dog, The Kettle Black. There would have been a full-scale riot, so the cops were wise to say, we stopped the demonstrators, the 5,000, at 72nd and 5th. Nobody goes over to 3rd Avenue. Brilliant. Remember, I gave them an A. I gave the leadership of the police department an A. I gave the deputy inspector and everyone in charge of the 68th Precinct in uh, Bay Ridge, and A. And I gave a group who at times have been my nemesis, the Strategic Response Group, an A. They use drones. They use helicopters. They kept the demonstrators at bay. Then what happened during the week? The New York Civil Liberties Union was squealing and complaining that the cops had abridged the mob's rights. The mob that had attacked the police had thrown fireworks at them, bottles at them, had attacked them. And the cops fought back as they should have. As they should have, as they had a right to when they're under attack. And I applauded them on the most powerful radio station in the nation by day. And now that it's dust, the most powerful radio station in the world. So you're going to get details, step-by-step, of the breakdown and the total collapse of the NYPD command that allowed the mob to go over the Brooklyn Bridge. The biggest mistake in the history 
of demonstrations, of which there have been many, going back to the first day of outrage. I remember it as if it was yesterday when Ed Koch was mayor. The jury was coming back with a decision on the Howard Beach uh, 4 or 5, I think it was, in the killing death of Yousef Hawkins as he ran out into the Bell Parkway to escape the young white thugs who were beating him and his friend with tree limbs. And every day the city was on edge. And they were poorly prepared, the police, because Ed Koch was the mayor. He knew nothing about the streets. You didn't see that happening with Rudy Giuliani. Oh, no. Oh, no. But it happened with Michael Bloomberg, remember? Oh, yeah. Remember Occupy Wall Street? When they took over the Brooklyn Bridge, what a mistake. And then naturally in the summer of George Floyd 2020, they took over the Brooklyn Bridge every day. Black Lives Matter and Antifa. My enemies. You got an enemy? You better understand how your enemy organizes. And this march today, in which Jews were told to get out of the streets in advance, advised not to come out on Shabbat, told to stay out of Brooklyn, was organized by the radical leftist group within our lifetime, might as well be an adjunct of Antifa. A lot of those guys with shmatas, all right, the shmatas on their head and the kafia, uh, the, the guys and gals, they were Antifa. They weren't Arabic. You could see them. They were like white as uh, Elwood milk, as Elmer's glue. Antifa. Again, hiding under the shmatas on their heads and the kafia. And you looked at the signs and you looked at the chants and you knew damn well that Antifa was in charge. And the cops, their leadership, forsake the average cops who are responsible out there to keep the order. 2,000 cops assigned. Others who responded along the way. And they waved the white flag. They took over the Brooklyn Bridge. They ran amok in lower Manhattan. They laid siege to Washington Square Park and Union Square Park. And Jews were running for their lives, running for their lives, fearful, fearful that this mob, because that's what it is, it wasn't peaceful protesters. It was a mob. It was out for blood. And there were only two, two. Tough Jews along the way in a city that has more Jews combined than Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. More Jews in this city alone. At the beginning of the march, there appeared to be what I would call an American Jew who stood there with an Israeli flag and an American flag at the start of the march. Thousands on one side screaming in victims at him. He reminded me of the Chinese guy, remember, in Tiananmen Square, who stood in front of that T2 tank and got turned into a speed bump. Remember that famous scene? He could have been killed and shredded. No cops in sight. No cops in sight. And yet he stood his ground. They came up to him. They plastered him with stickers that said, Zionism equals genocide. He stood his ground. He didn't fight. 
recognize that if he were to lower his flags and begin to punch or begin to try to flail away, they might have killed him there. They might have killed him. They were circling him like hungry piranha. In fact, Broadway Bill Lee, let's go back to the audio tape. And again, I want to thank all of my many sources. Uh, I can't say that I was out there in the midst of the crowd because I was organizing for the city council hearings, excuse me, elections coming up in which we got to get the socialists out. I was all over the city. I was out in Creedmoor again trying to stop the illegal alien invasion coming in. But I want to first thank Freedom News. It's an independent news source. It's run by a woman, Ukrainian, came to America, Scooter. I think her first name is Olia. She's got a whole staff out there. They're always right in the middle of it. They they film and then they let you decide. They They don't editorialize. Everything is on film. You get a chance to watch it. Go to Freedom News right now. You'll see a lot of what occurred from the beginning, the gathering at 3 o'clock, right at that point when Anthony Weiner was on the air. I was ready to join him as I did, left versus right from 4 to 5. We discussed a lot of that. But the mob had started to gather at 3. One lone Jew stood up to them. Where were the other Jews doing a counter-protest? Because the NYPD told you, oh... Stay at home, stay behind your door, stay out of Brooklyn, don't go, don't go out on Shabbat. You, you abandoned the streets of Brooklyn where there are more Jews than in any of the five boroughs. And the mob took advantage of that. It took advantage of that. I want to also thank individuals who flew drones up. I was able to see really good, vivid video. And I ain't giving it up. Oh, no, NYPD. I ain't giving it up, and I ain't giving up those people who flew those drones. Because it showed me where the decision to allow them to continue on from Barclays Center was made. The demonstration, the mob, could have been stopped right there. They didn't even have a permit for a march. And you let them go over and take over the Brooklyn Bridge and then lower Manhattan. What the hell was that? We need to know who made that decision at One Police Plaza. Who? Because last week they made great decisions. How do you go from making great decisions one week, avoiding riots, to allowing a riot to take place? Who made that decision? And you know we'll never find out, but I will and I'll share it with all of you. I want to thank the helicopter pilots who were above for the NYPD. I've gotten to know them, not all of them, some of them, because they are based at Floyd Bennett Field. And as you know, I've spent a lot of time at Floyd Bennett Field trying to stop the tents that are already up four, plus they're going to put up three more on runway 19 to house 7,500 single able-bodied illegal aliens of military age, some of whom we know damn well are terrorists. I mean, it's obvious. Just look at the numbers. But I digress. There were helicopter pilots in the air for the NYPD. Some of their friends could not believe that the order was given to allow this mob to continue up Flatbush Avenue where they took over the Brooklyn Bridge. They took it over. We're not talking 100,000 
We're not talking the large, large mobs that assembled in the summer of 2020. We're talking at most 7,000, and they let them take the Brooklyn Bridge. Seized with the, the thrill of victory. And no agony of defeat, they just went on to devour lower Manhattan. As they did in the summer of George Floyd of 2020. They attacked the police. They attacked police vehicles. They graffitied. A-C-A-B. You know what that means? All cops are bastards. All cops are bitches. They started putting up everywhere, just like in the summer of 2020. They took over. Who made, who made that decision in the police command to allow them to take over the Brooklyn Bridge and to come into lower Manhattan? Only 7,000. Maybe 10,000 the max, because the longer you let a mob continue, people will join in on both sides. The hipsters and millennials on the Park Slope side, as you go west, and blacks and white hipsters and millennials from the Bed-Stuy side as you go east in Brooklyn, all along Flatbush Avenue. So you may have started with 5,000, and you ended up with 7,000 or 10,000, because they could see you had freedom to go wherever you wanted. With no permit to march anywhere. So the compromise would have been, okay, you start outside of the Brooklyn Library. You march up Flatbush Avenue to the Barclays Center. You go no further. Atlantic Avenue. It's over. You want to go back? Fine. But you ain't going no further. You are not going into Manhattan. And then you make sure you got plenty of cops in the subway system there, Barclays Center. They ain't getting in. Oh, no, they ain't getting in. See, that's where the nightsticks would have helped. But the nightsticks up, they understand you mean business. There are no nightsticks any longer. In fact, if you uh, if you expect any kind of resistance from the cops, you got to wait. you got to wait till the SRG gets there. And again, what does the SRG represent? That's their way of dealing with with political demonstrations that could turn into riots. The Strategic Response Group, when I was a kid, they had the Tactical Patrol Force, TPF, hats and bats. Cops would come off of buses. They had on their hats. They were carrying their bats. You knew they meant business. It was time to go home. Time to go home, because if you violated what they were telling you, man, you were going to feel that stick. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, Really? You let them take over the city. Seven to 10,000 took over our city. And Jews fled in fear. And they were told in advance, don't come out into the streets of Brooklyn. If you're Orthodox or Hasidic, don't come out for Shabbat. What, what, flee? Flee where? To Manhattan? The hell, you let them come into Manhattan. How stupid was that? And you're only going to hear it here on WABC because I got my fingers on the pulse. I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. I'm not going to repeat what was on TV. I'm not going to repeat what was on radio newscasts, including our own station, because I have pertinent information right up to this minute of what is going on. Shame on one police plaza for allowing this. After doing such a superfluous job the week before, an amazingly good organized job of keeping the mob at bay, limiting the damage. But tonight, into the wee hours of the morning, 
I'm ashamed of our city again. I don't know how this uh, ex-cop, this house mouse, Eric Adams, is going to respond tomorrow. Because remember, he doesn't take questions off topic anymore. Whatever topic he's talking about that day, if you don't ask a question pertinent to that, he won't answer any other question. We had a riot. The mob took over the Brooklyn Bridge in lower Manhattan, right into Washington Square Park, right into Union Square Park. He better answer questions. We need to know who made the tactical decision to let them take the Brooklyn Bridge. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's 1-800-848-WABC. Before we play any other cut, I praise this anonymous uh, Jewish American at the very start of the mob, uh, mob rule on Eastern Parkway and Flatbush Avenue. He did not heed the warning to stay inside for Shabbat. He did not heed the warning of politicians and the police to stay out of Brooklyn. He stood there defiantly with a small American flag and an Israeli flag. We need to find out who that brave Jewish American is. But the bravest of all was an Israeli, self-identified Israeli. He was on the bridge when thousands of the mob of Palestinian supporters were passing him. And he took them all on. One guy, if you know Jews in Israel, they're tougher than tough. I want you to listen. We had a sense of some of it. It's a little off the hook, but it's pertinent because that mob could have turned on him in a millisecond and turned him into a speed bump. He stood his ground. Thousands. He confronted thousands. Listen. Listen and know what a tough Jew is. They murdered my family. They murdered our people. They murdered babies. They cut their heads off. This is what you should pay. You should. Your Palestinian is on my... I don't care about them. I wish they're going to make it flat land. And all of you, all the Muslim countries, nobody wants to open the borders to take this garbage, right? Open the border to take this garbage. Nobody Nobody wants those people. Show me one country that opened the border to take this, this garbage people. One country.
Jew. Yeah, I'm a proud Jewish, proud Israeli. And all these supporters, whatever they did in Israel, this is more worse than the Holocaust. And they will do it here as they, if they can. And they did it on September 11th. Don't forget that. They will do it all over the world. They did it in England. They do it in France. Every last terror attack is by Muslim. Every terrorist attack is by Muslim. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, I'm Zionist and I'm going to sign you in that. Oh, yeah. Don't help you piece of garbage. Come down. Amazing. That was an Israeli Jew. Stood his ground. Thousands passed him. You heard him. He warned all of us. Right there on the Brooklyn Bridge, he warned all of us. You remember 9-11, he says, they're doing it in France, they're doing it in England. That's what you call Jewish tough. Where were the rest of the Jews? You're hiding. You listen to the police, you listen to your officials. Well, you barricaded in your apartment. Here it is. They were calling for death to Jews, death to Israel, from the river to the sea. Could I hear that? Uh, this was their chant all along the way, which means maybe the Jews in Israel can move to Boca Raton. I don't know. But to me, when you sing from the river to the sea, Palestine should be free. There's no room for Jews. So what happens to the Jews? From the river to the sea. Israel, you can't hide. You're committing genocide. That proud Israeli man took on thousands by himself. He had no support from anybody else around him. You heard him say, they murdered my family, these effing you-know-what. And he went on and on as they passed him by. He did not. Bow, he did not buck, he didn't do what the former chief of patrol did in the summer of 2020, Moynihan, Moynihan, whatever the hell his name is, who took a knee to Black Lives Matter in Washington Square Park and signaled surrender to the mob. We need to find out who this brave Israeli is and who that brave Jewish American is who stood alone up to the mob. Where were the rest of the Jews? You were told to hide, stay in your homes, not to go into the streets, not to do a counter-protest. If you would have done a counter-protest, it would have distracted the mob. They wouldn't have followed their leaders to the Brooklyn Bridge. They would have wanted to stay there and outchant you. But no, you listened to the very people who promised to take care of you. Really? How, how, how'd that work out, huh? How'd that? If you don't take care of yourself, you think anybody else is going to do it? To those two proud Jews. 
the American Jew at the start of the mob in Grand Army Plaza with a single American flag and an Israeli flag. And they came up and they kept putting stickers on him. Zionism is genocide. And he stood his ground. And that Israeli, that's why Israeli men are tough. I've been there three times. They're the toughest of the tough. Americans, grow a set. Jews, grow a pair. Because this mom's going to turn you into speed bumps. Are you not a student of history? Every Jew of 22, there was a reason that the Jewish Defense League came about. Every Jew of 22, there was a reason. And now we've come full circle. You know, there's only so much room in Boca Raton to run to. At some point, you got to stand and fight for what you know is right. When they call for the annihilation of you, the liquidation of you, as some of them were chanting, well, well, where were you? Where, where were you? Come on. Be honest with me. This is Curtis. I was there in Crown Heights, August of 1991. I saw how Jews abandoned the Lubavitch who were under attack. Don't lie to me. You heeded the advice of the police and political leaders, some of them Jews, to stay at home. Don't get them angry. Ooh, I'm so weak. Oh, please protect me. Do you like being victims? But he want to stand your ground and fight back like these two proud Jews did. This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. And then when this mob was allowed to cross over the Brooklyn Bridge and they took it over, they took it over, and they rampaged through lower Manhattan, went into Washington Square Park and around the statue of George Washington at the monument there, took control of the park, put stickers all over George Washington. Zionism is racism. Zionism is genocide. And then others had gone up to Washington, excuse me, Union Square Park. Union Square Park, and I watched the mob. Again, I want to thank those who shared their drone footage with me. These were white guys and gals with schmatas on their heads and kafirs, members of Antifa, who had become part of this demonstration, who was screaming, Alu Akbar, long live Hamas. Alu Akbar, long live Hamas. In 14th Street, Union Square Park. Did you hear that, Israeli guy? 
Did you hear what he said? I want you to work that cut to the end where the Israeli guy who stood his ground warned us about 9-11, about how they're taking over France and England and how it's going to come to us. They're going to wipe us. It's a third time they're going to wipe the board. We're allowing illegal aliens into our country, some of whom are terrorists. There's no doubt about it. Our politicians have failed us. I need to know, and all of you do, who made that decision to allow this mob to go past Barclays Center on Flatbush and Atlantic and to go on to the Brooklyn Bridge, in which they shut it down, they took it over, they climbed the stanchions. They were screaming, Alu Akbar, long live Hamas. And don't kid yourself, they weren't all Arabic. Why do you think all these white kids had the shmatas on their heads and the kafiyas like they wear on the campus at Columbia University and NYU because it's cool, it's hip. They're not Arabic. Sure, some of them in the mob were Arabic. Most of them were hipsters and millennials who were so proud of what they were doing, disparaging America and disparaging our friend Israel. Alu Akbar. Long live Hamas. Is that what it's come to? Openly supporting terrorism. And how many that I identified in that crowd, because I've dealt with them before, openly gays, openly lesbians, openly transgenders. Like with Black Lives Matter, right? They could fly their gay liberation flag because the leadership of Black Lives Matter, the three black women, lesbians, transgenders, right? Antifa, how many times does Antifa go to those uh, drag queen reading hours and they do battle with those who are opposed? But now one of them would fly a gay liberation flag in that mob or a transgender liberation flag because they know that if they were in those... Palestinian areas, Gaza or the West Bank, they'd be killed. They'd be taken to the highest building, bound, gagged, hands tied behind them, and tossed off the building. And the only country in that entire Middle East and Persian Gulf that is open-minded towards gays, lesbians, and transgenders is Israel. Not any of those Arabic countries. It's off with your head. And yet, they stood in the mob. They wouldn't fly that flag. No, how come? Hey, I know you're listening, Antifa. I know you're listening, Black Lives Matter. I know that you're transgenders for Black Lives Matter, gays and lesbians for Black Lives Matter. How come you didn't fly your flag? What were you afraid of? To reveal who you were, knowing that if given the opportunity, they would slit your throats and kill you because they hate you worse than they hate the Jews? And what kind of Jews would have been in that mob today? Self-hating Jews? Jews for Hamas? You should impale yourself with a freaking menorah. Listen to what this Israeli said who stood up to the mob, thousands, on the Brooklyn Bridge. He read them the riot act. He would not surrender. He would not retreat. He didn't listen to all of those police and politicians who told the Jews, oh, don't get them upset on Shabbat. Don't go to Brooklyn. Stay indoors. Barricade yourself in. Be weak. 
I'm a proud Jewish, proud Israeli, and all these supporters, whatever they did in Israel, this is more worse than the Holocaust. And they will do it here as they, if they can, and they did it on September 11, don't forget that. They will do it all over the world. They did it in England, they do it in France. Every last terror attack is by Muslims. Every terrorist attack is by Muslims. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, I'm Zionist, and I'm going to find you in that. Oh, yeah. Don't help you, piece of garbage. Come back. Call them a Zionist as if it was a dirty word. You're Zionist. He didn't surrender. He didn't retreat. You have no idea what some of them were carrying around. When we come back, I'm going to tell you how far gone this mob was. Any Jew who is in that mob should be ashamed of you. So I don't care if you're liberal, progressive, socialist. They just as easily destroy you. Because you're a Jew. They desecrated the synagogue in Park Slope. Park Slope! Now, because you're a liberal, progressive, socialist Jew, you think there's a differentiation in their minds between you and a conservative or orthodox or Hasidic Jew? No, you're all Jews. And I'm going to reveal to you what some of those demonstrators were carrying around. Nobody else has this information. Everybody went to sleep. The media, they had their 30-second sound bites, a little bit of video. Haven't heard from the mayor. Haven't heard from Eddie Caban. I want to know who decided at one police plaza that the mob could go beyond Barclays Center and Flatbush Avenue and take over the Brooklyn Bridge and take over downtown Manhattan, desecrate police vehicles, attack police, and then go into Union Square Park at 14th Street and start screaming, Alu Akbar, long live Hamas. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Sunday, and there are two events I need you to attend. I need you to attend. Brooklyn realizes, the Jewish community, that it heeded the advice of the police and the elected officials and stayed out of the streets on Saturday. Mistake. So Brooklyn is uniting for Israel at 12 noon. 12 noon. Between Avenue O and P Ocean Parkway just a few hours. It'll be at the Colonel 
David Marcus Park. I will be there. I will be there. I'm going to ask you, where have you been? How come you haven't been out in the streets? How come you haven't confronted this Palestinian supporting mob, some of self-hating Jews? It doesn't mean you have to revert to violence. You got to take a stand. I want you to hear again what that lone Israeli, a man's man said on the Brooklyn Bridge when thousands were passing by, cursing him out. Listen to what he warned all of us as he took on the supporters in that Palestinian mob. They murdered my family. They murdered our people. They murdered babies. They cut their heads off. This is what you should You should. Your Palestinian is on my... I don't care about them. They started it. All of Gaza. I wish they're going to make it flat land. And all of you, all the Muslim countries, nobody wants to open the border to take this garbage, right? Open the border to take this garbage. Nobody wants Nobody wants those people. Show me one country that opened the border to take this, this garbage people. One country. They murdered my family. They murdered my family and thousands of the Palestinian supporters. Many of them Antifa, Black Lives Matter, chastised him. Where were the Jews? Heeding the warning of the police and your elected officials, some of them Jews too, afraid of their own shadow. Stay indoors, don't go out into the streets in Brooklyn. No, 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 no. Time for a comeback. Again, at 12 noon today, Sunday, Ocean Parkway between Avenues O and P, the Colonel David Marcus Park. Be there. I don't want to hear any freaking excuses. Oh, I got a fever in my foot. And then most importantly, join our own Sid Rosenberg. Never before attended rallies recently got involved in stopping the illegal alien invasion into Floyd Benefield. Tomorrow, there's a very special gathering at 3 o'clock. I'll be there, too, to show support for Sid. He's, he's one of the keynote speakers. Never again is now. They have assembled thousands of flyers of the Israeli hostages that have been ripped down all over our town. Ripped down boldly, brazenly. It's people. Proud that they're ripping them down. And all the... All the, all the flyers have said is, bring them home. That's three hours later at 3 o'clock. You can go to both. Cooper Square, 41 Cooper Square. That's right by Cooper Union. You know where the Jewish kids were trapped in the library and the Palestinian mob was banging on the doors? Open up, open up. Remember that video? Jews and Gentiles out there. You're going to show up. You're going to, you're going to support our own Sid Rosenberg, who when he was at the gathering in Huntington at the Paramount, great two man show, Bill O'Reilly and Sid Rosenberg, they didn't discuss politics. He told me I'm going to be there. 
He goes, I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm going to all these rallies. I never before went to a rally. I used to make fun of people who would go to rallies. I said I would never go to a rally. He goes, now, first with Floyd Bennett Field and putting illegal aliens there. But this, this is an attack on my people. An attack on his people. Two, two proud Jews today. A nameless, faceless, anonymous Jewish American at the start when this mob began to march towards the Brooklyn Bridge from Grand Army Plaza. Waved an American flag, an Israeli flag, and they came on him and they kept sticking stickers on him. Zionism is genocide. He stood his ground. I couldn't make out what he was saying or I would play that for you. Uh, can't, can't, it's just, it's too many people screaming in the background. They hated this guy, but that Israeli. When we come back, you're going to hear his warning to all of us. He warns us. It's like Paul Revere before Lexington and Concord. Remember, he's warning us. The British are coming. The British are coming. Bunker Hill. Whatever happened to those tough Jews of the JDL Jewish Defense League? Remember, every Jew at 22... We got to protect our own people because nobody else was doing it. Whatever happened to that? Are the only tough Jews in Israel? Or is everybody here, Nebishi, oh, I'm a little Pisher, I'm a Schmendrick, oh, woe is me. Do all Jews sound like the schmuck, the putz, Chuck E. Cheese, oh, oy vey, oy vey. Was it time to grow up here? Get out there, stand your ground, fight for what you know is right, your people, for Israel, and most importantly, for the United States, because they're coming here. They're already here, these terrorists. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Sliwa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. No sleep till.
lot of people thought I was joking around when I said it took the city council seven years to ratify putting a plaque in the Lower East Side, Rivington Street for the Beastie Boys. Booker Boys, who went to NYU, the same university that graduated, unfortunately, Frank Hamas Morano, the Violet. And they met Russell Simmons and uh, who is that? Uh, guy looks like he's from Jay-Z, I mean from ZZ Top, Rick Rubin. And form one of the greatest rap, rap groups, groups ever. A lot of the brothers didn't even know they were white Jews. Took them seven years to recognize them because they are members of our city council, socialists. Some of them Jews themselves, self-hating Jews, who hate Jews. Took them seven years overnight for Biggie Smalls. Months for two live. Man. Ugh. Seven months for Wu-Tang Clan. I'm so angry there. At Tarjay Place in the shadow of the Stable Inn Projects. Park Hill, North Shore of Staten Island. No time for sleep for me or for any of you. If you saw what happened on Saturday. Where the pro-Palestinian demonstration was nothing more than a mob. It worked its way to Barclays Center up Flatbush, screaming invectives at Jews, at Israel, and at our country, the U.S. of A. And then were permitted by one police plaza, somebody who won't identify himself or herself, and allow them to continue to take over the Brooklyn Bridge, rampage through Lower Manhattan, take over Washington Square Park and Union Square Park, Union Square Park being the worst as they gathered around and started to chant, Allahu Akbar, long live Hamas. Most of them did not appear to be Middle Eastern or from the Persian Gulf. Most of them appeared to be white, hipster millennials, thinking they could cover their face with the shmatas on their heads and the kafir that's so cool on the campus at NYU and Columbia and other major universities. So cool, especially to be a Jew with a kafir, a self-hating Jew. And as uh, they were given the green light, imagine how surprised they were that they could then storm across the Brooklyn Bridge and take over lower Manhattan like they did during the summer of George Floyd. Eric Adams, I got to ask, if you delegated that that call to the police, was it Eddie Caban, your new police commissioner? Was it somebody else who allowed them to go across the bridge and attack the police? and vandalize police cars, and once again put up the graffiti ACAB that I saw everywhere in the summer of 2020. ACAB, the acronym, all cops are bastards, all cops are bitches. Who made that decision? Don't don't hide it. Don't give us the razzmatazz. Don't say it was a black eye for New York City. No, no, no. And to make amends, Jews, it's two events tomorrow. One, Brooklyn unites for Israel at Ocean Parkway between Avenues O and P. It's the Colonel David Marcus Park. I will be there. I'll be there. I'm not a Jew. 
you haven't put the call out for Gentiles. I told you, if you ask the evangelicals who love Israel more than any other group, more than even some Jews do, who believe that it was the Jews, the chosen people who did the heavy lifting with the Old Testament. They all have to read the Old Testament first before they read the New Testament. They make pilgrimages to Israel. They spend money in Israel. If the Jewish leadership would reach out, look, Mike Pence, right, dropped out of the race. Mike Pence is not running for president any longer in the Republican primary. He would be the perfect candidate, Mike on behalf of the Jewish leadership of New York, we're under siege. Even though we may not share your politics, Mike, in many respects, if you could assemble evangelicals all over the country, call a day evangelicals in support of the state of Israel, they would have millions out. Millions! But no, you won't do that, will you, Jewish leaders? Oh, they may try to convert us. They may try to turn us into Jews for Jesus. You think that's your freaking biggest problem? Now that Mike Pence is no longer running for the Republican nomination, today basically was uh, over. He would be the perfect candidate. Truly, he is an evangelical. Look, I don't agree with Mike Pence. I was interviewed by him when I started the Guardian Angels in Indianapolis. He was a talk show host. When he came to visit us here at WABC, he knew all about talk radio. I'm not of his faith. I'm not of his belief. And I'm telling you now, Jews, you're losing the PR war. It makes it seem that Jews are actually at odds with Jews because many of these demonstrations, your enemies put the Jews right up in front. Jews for Palestinians, Jews for justice, Jews for Hamas. They wear the Jewish prayer shawl, they wear the yarmulke, and it confuses the heck out of the Gentiles, the majority of the population, like Friday night at Grand Central. When they took over Grand Central, they were all wearing black shirts, Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinians. They all claim to be Jews. Self-hating, naive. I know many of them were not within the mob that came up Flatbush Avenue. And again, I ask, who made that decision to allow them to proceed? They didn't even have a permit for a march. Now, I know ever since uh, ever since uh, Eric Gardner and that first day of outrage, nobody gets a permit anymore to do anything. You can do whatever you want, when you want, how you want. But. Based on what we saw the week before, same time, same place, a little further over, you go west to Bay Ridge, 72nd, 5th Avenue, about 6, 7 o'clock at night. It was already dusk. 5,000 Palestinian marches, again, led by an organization that I've dealt with for years that have had marches before. They're not new to this scene. A very, very extraordinarily radical Within our lifetime, they intended to go over to 3rd Avenue. All the Irish tin mills were busy that night. It was a night very similar to what we saw this Saturday night, although this this particular Saturday night it was even warmer, close to 75 degrees, 70 degrees. You don't think there's global warming climate change? It's the 11th anniversary of Superstorm Sandy, right? 
<laughs> you know another one of those is coming. 80 degrees, almost in November. Think about that. But the police made the tactical decision. I want to give credit to whoever it was responsible for that. And I did. I gave them an A. The police, A. The strategic response group made a horseshoe and said, you go no further. Because out on 3rd Avenue and Bay Ridge at the Harp Bar, the Wicked Monk, the Three Jolly Pigeons, Kitty Kiernan, Salty Dog, the Kettle Black, and others of whose names I forgot because I'm not a drinker, I'm not Irish, but let me just say they're packed on Saturday nights. If the cops would have allowed that mob last week that attacked them to go on the 3rd Avenue, there would have been a full-scale riot. You think those Irish would have surrendered and retreated? Like the Italians who, like Arthur Idala, afraid of his own shadow, said, well, I had a birthday party to go to. Oh, oh, get out of here. Afraid of your own shadow. Where were the Italians, huh? Tough Italian stallions, right? Oh, birthday parties. Oh. The Irish, they were doing what they do, hanging out at a gin mill, and drinking. And if they would have seen that mob desecrating American flags, Israeli flags, saying, F you, America, what do you think that Irish mob would have done, right? You're damn right they would have turned them into speed bumps. And the cops knew that at the 6-8 precinct in Bay Ridge. They knew that at one police plaza. And whoever the commanders were, they need to be praised up and down. They made the right decision. And what happened midway through the week? The New York Civil Liberties Union said, we're going to sue you. You violated the rights of the Palestinian uh, supporters, the mob, the demonstration that attacked the police. Grow a pair, Eric. Don't do a pivot and shift. Or whoever it was, you had make the decision because this week's decision was completely opposite last week's decision. You were all spot on. This week, I was getting calls. This hours before the program from guys that I've met at the strategic response group, haven't always been my friends. I've confronted them out there as they were assembled to stop our demonstrations to keep the illegal aliens out in Staten Island. You know that. You saw me read them the riot act on video after video. You're either a friend or a foe, but if you're wrong, you're wrong. I'm going to take you on. And this time, some of the cops, yep, Broadway, Bill Lee, they called up and said, what, what happened this week? We were told to let the mob through. We knew what they would do. We were told by one police plaza with drones overhead, with police helicopters, let the mob go through. We knew what they would do. There are police officers tonight. Many of them are going to think twice again about remaining in the NYPD. As they were insulted, they were spat at. Their cars were vandalized. The chant of F the police was up there with F Israel. And, oh, yeah, the IDF is a terrorist organization. Not Hamas. No, no. They made it to Union Square Park. Mostly white hipsters and millennials with the schmatas on their head and the kafias because it's so cool on a college campus. Screaming out, Al-Akhbar. <sighs> Long live Hamas. 
Why don't you take the uh, shmata off your head, huh? The kafia, huh? Let's see who you are. See if you're proud of what you did, huh? See if mom and dad are proud of you. You live on a blind trust. You're from Idaho where there are more t- potatoes than people. Iowa where there are more pigs than people. And why don't you reveal yourself? It's not traditional traditional to your culture to wear kafias and shmatas on your head. You do that to cover who you are. Because you do it because it's cool and hip, but you don't want to deal with the consequences because when the general public finds out what you were saying and what you were advocating, long live Hamas, you're basically saying long live terrorism. Come for a third time, hit New York, hit America. We're on your side. We're not on America's side. That's really what you were saying. Be proud of who you are. Show us your picture. Huh? Say, yeah, I stand with Hamas. I'm a white boy from Montana. I'm proud to be with Hamas. And I'm proud to be uh, stepping on the Israeli flag and burning an American flag. Let's see who you are. You're so proud of what you do and what you believe? Gays and lesbians and transgenders who were in that march, don't tell me you weren't. I see you. I've seen you at other demonstrations. How come you didn't fly a transgender liberation flag, a gay liberation flag? You couldn't because you would be persona non grata. And if you happen to be in the Middle East and the Persian Gulf and you did that, they'd give you a poke chop off with your head or toss you off of the highest building. The only country in the Middle East or Persian Gulf that openly and publicly has gays and lesbians and transgenders living amongst them is Israel. Middle East, see what happened in Egypt? He gathered up all those, gay guys, all those gay guys and put them in a dungeon until they die. Yeah, that's Egypt. That's a so-called ally of ours, right? General Sassi, you're gay? Into the gulag, the dungeon, until the day you die. Hopefully you get AIDS and die. That's their attitude. And you march with them? Why don't you reveal who you are? Huh? What are you, afraid? Huh? Transgenders? <laughs> you think they're open-minded over there? Over here, they're not even open-minded to you. Yeah, yeah, why don't you go get a shawarma, a baba ganoush, a falafel. Did you see that story in the New York Post that many of those vendors in their trucks we're advocating support for Hamas, and you as a Jew are going to get online and stand there for hours right near Rockefeller Center, yeah, right outside of Fox News uh, Station, yeah, 6th Avenue in the 40s. Oh, I love their shawarmas. I love their baba ganoush. I love their falafel. Maybe they'll spit in it. Maybe they'll advocate death to Israel, death to Jews. But, oh, it's such a good falafel. It's worth standing online for a freaking hour. These people are crazy. (sighs) And please, all of you must join our own Sid Rosenberg, who has rediscovered his Jewishness at 3 o'clock today in the afternoon, right by Cooper Union. You saw the videos where the Jewish kids were stuck in the library and the Palestinian supporters, that mob was banging on the door, open up, open up. Why did they want them to open up? What do you think? They were going to sit down and have a frank discussion and an exchange of uh, points of view? No. 
He wanted to do harm to them. 41 Cooper Square, 3 o'clock, be there early. The group Never Again is now sponsoring the gathering. They're going to give out thousands of flyers of the Israeli hostages with the tagline, Bring Them Home, that have been ripped off of telephone poles, utility poles, boards, everywhere across New York City, proudly and brazenly, mostly by college-age, high school-age students, some of them who are Jews themselves. I'm going to make it there also. Although this is going to be Sid's event. Boy, he's really come into his own. He never before, remember, he never go to a rally. I used to make fun of people go to rallies. Now, in the anniversary, 11th anniversary of Superstorm Sandy, he knows that with those tents in Floyd Bennett Field, four up, three more to go, that's a flood zone. Eric Adams, his friend, is going to shove in 7,500 single able body men of military age, some of them from the sub-Saharan, North African desert countries that have active cells of Al-Qaeda and ISIS, Mauritania, Mali, Chad, and the Sudan. And they're already here. I saw a whole bunch of them in Creedmoor earlier today in Eastern Queens, right along Hillside Avenue, waiting for the bus to go away to Nassau County. That's right, Peter King. That's right. They're coming in Nassau County. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you were stuck in Creedmoor in the middle of nowhere in Queens with nothing to do and nowhere to go, wouldn't you want to go up to Northern Boulevard, Great Neck, yeah, yeah, Leonard's, walk right on by, you know, go into the neighborhood, maybe you could hustle some work, or maybe you could take advantage of the unbelievable naivete of some of the Nassau County residents who have packages delivered right out on their porch, you know, with no security and Wow, I'm watching Americans steal those packages and get away with it, porch pirates. I'm watching Americans go into Walgreens and shoplift and no consequences. We can do that, too, because we're asylum seekers. We're untouchables. We can't be deported. And they're amongst us, these terrorists. They're amongst us. Could I hear that Israeli who stood up to the mob? We can't play it enough. We need to find out who he was. One man. Did not retreat, did not surrender today. As a proud Jew from Israel, he decided he would not heed the warnings of the NYPD and elected officials to stay at home on Shabbat. I'm a proud Jewish, proud Israeli. And all these supporters, whatever they did in Israel, this is more worse than the Holocaust. And they will do it here as they, if they can. And they did it on September 11th. Don't forget that. They will do it all over the world. They did it in England. They do it in France. Every last terror attack is by Muslim. Every terrorist attack is by Muslim. Yes, I am. Yes, yes. Thousands passed him. Say, you're a Zionist. That's if it were a dirty word and you heard what he said. Yeah, I'm a proud Zionist. I don't surrender. I don't retreat. And the mob could have easily overwhelmed him. They recognized this guy was one tough Jew. Uh, they weren't going to mess with him. They were used to dealing with Jews who were hiding. Uh, 
I hope they don't hurt me. Barricade the door. Hide underneath the sofa. Oh, I've been told don't come out on Shabbat in Brooklyn. Don't come into Brooklyn. Ooh. Yeah, you dependent on uh, our leaders, right? Boy, they were real helpful. They let the mob go past Atlantic Avenue and Barclays Center and take over the Brooklyn Bridge and then take over Lower Manhattan and screaming at the top of their lungs. Most of them not Arabic, not from the Persian Gulf. White hipster millennials, members of Al-Qaeda or sympathetic to Al-Qaeda. Alu Akbar! Long live Hamas. Union Square Park, 14th Street, right off of 4th Avenue. Hmm. Who allowed them to do that? Who didn't draw the line in the sand at police headquarters and say, that's it? They can go as far as Atlantic and Barclay. That's a long walk from Eastern Parkway and uh, Flatbush Avenue. But, oh, no, let the mob have its way. We don't want to hear from the New York Civil Liberties Union again that we were violating their rights. So, cops, you're going to have to be feckless and weak this this week. Last week you were strong. You did the right thing in Bay Ridge. But this week you're going to have to fold like a cheap camera. Watch after this weekend how many early retirements more will take place as cops realize they faked me out. They let me be a police officer last week. They let me do my job. But this week they told me, no, let the mob through. And they started all over again, like in the summer of 2020 at George Floyd. All cops are bastards, all cops are bitches, desecrating uh, police cars, vandalizing them, screaming F the police. As soon as they got over the bridge, they knew we got it. We rule. Out of our way, Jews, we're coming for you. You can listen to Bo Sternly on 77 WABC Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. or download the 77 WABC app and listen to the show online. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. A station built just for you. Entertaining talk, information, and New York opinions. You are a ball of fire there. The world famous and American original. Talk Radio 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
great fight song, Black 47, the Irish in tribute to James Conley, one of the many rebels against the crown. And you know damn well last Saturday night, if the police had allowed the Palestinian uh, protesting mobs, some of them Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinians, Jews for Hamas, to leave 72nd and 5th Avenue, which is the Arab barrier, a Bay Ridge and go over to Third Avenue, all the Irish bars, the Kettle Black, Salty Dog, Kitty Cannons, Three Jolly Pigeons, The Wicked Monk, The Harpara, and more. There would have been a full scale riot. And the Irish would have persevered. They would not surrender. They would not retreat like the Italians. Oh, we're too busy. Oh, there's Arthur Idella. Oh, I had to go to a birthday party. Oh, I had to escape. Oh. Shame on you. Boy, up the rebels, that's for sure. And one police plaza made the right call. I saluted them then. Remember, I gave them a tribute to the uh, police officers at the 68th Precinct, their deputy inspector in Bay Ridge, right near the BQE. And, of course, to any of the white shirts that were part of making that decision because they knew they had to horseshoe in that mob before they made it over to Third Avenue or there would have been a full-scale riot. The Irish would not have retreated. They would not have surrendered. They would have already was like 7, 8 o'clock at night, uh, Broadway Billy. <laughs> they would have had uh, hoisted a few. And, oh, boy, they would have hoisted a few of those schmata-wearing, kafia-wearing uh, supporters of Hamas right into the air like they just didn't care. Great decision last week. A week later. See, this is why cops are all discombobulated. They felt so good being police last week. They were being spat on. They were throwing fireworks at them, bottles. And their cops, the leaders said, fight back. They ain't going no further. Fight back. And they did. And the mob retreated. This week, the mob said, we're taking the Brooklyn Bridge. We're going into lower Manhattan. And the orders came from one police plaza to part, part Flatbush Avenue like the Red Sea for Moses. And they couldn't believe they they were given the green light to take over the Brooklyn Bridge. And they did. And again, I can't play it enough. There's only one proud Jew left standing out there. Not ours. He was from Israel. Right on the Brooklyn Bridge, he took on thousands of them. Thousands. Listen to his words. This is one hell of a tough Jew. I'm a proud Jewish, proud Israeli. And all these supporters, whatever they did in Israel, this is more worse than the Holocaust. And they will do it here as they, if they can. And they did it on September 11. Don't forget that. They will do it all over the world. They did it in England. They do it in France. Every last terror attack is by Muslims. Every terrorist attack is by Muslims. Yes, 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 I'm Zionist and I'm going to find you in that. Oh, yeah. Go help you, piece of garbage. Come there. You notice how they were screaming, you're a Zionist. Now, someone else might have said, well, I'm Jewish, but I'm not a Zionist, right? Just to avoid. No, he said, yeah, I'm a proud Zionist. What about it? As if that's a dirty word. In the aftermath of the Holocaust, to want your own country where you could finally live without being put into a freaking oven? 
Let's go to the phones to uh, Craig in Hoboken. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Craig. How you doing, Curtis? So, listen, Israel right now is tearing them a new one. There's no more Internet. There's no more communication. Nobody in the world's going to see what Israel's doing now. They made the mistake of getting Israel very pissed off. So you could have 100,000 people hanging from light poles screaming death to Zionists. It doesn't matter. Israel's so pissed off, they don't care what anybody's going to say. Well, hold on a second, Craig. Those terrorists are already here. They may not be pledging uh, that they are Hamas members. They could be members of ISIS or al-Qaeda. That's the international wing of terrorism. Hamas, really, that's the domestic version, Islamic Jihad, Fatah. The international version, we know. We've dealt with them before, ISIS and al-Qaeda, especially al-Qaeda. Hit us twice. And they're hoping for a third time to clean our clock. And again, the difference between them and us is they relish death. They convince their young men, the older men convince the younger men. You would think the younger men would say, now, now hold on, Ahmed, I know you're like 69. You keep telling all of us that we should get on the Paradise Express, become martyrs. You know, go up to Allah's side, have sex with 72 virgins, something we can't do here. You won't permit it. But, Ahmed, how come you never got on the Paradise Express? Did you get a deferment, you know, like from the draft? A deferment? Oh, I got a deferment. I had flat feet. I couldn't get on the Paradise Express. Oh, I had a goiter problem. Oh, I wanted to get on that Paradise Express, but I had to take care of my mother. There was nobody to take care of my mother. You would think that some of these crazy, wild-eyed zealots, many of whom are intelligent, they've gone to university, they've gotten degrees, but they're intellectually stupid. You would think they would stop Ahmed and say, Ahmed, you know, that means I'm dead. Uh, that's it for the air, yeah, but the, the, the future world is a better world. You'll be able to have sex with 72 virgins. I realize that, Ahmed, but how come you never took advantage of that opportunity, Ahmed? Oh, oh, I, I, I yearned for that. They wouldn't let me go. They said I was too important to live in this world. It's like living in hell without an asbestos suit. They would, they would give him some bull feathers excuse. You think any of those young men ever asked the Ahmeds of the world, how come they didn't jump on the Paradise Express? Get zoomed up to Allah's side so they could have sex with 72 virgins. You would think, right? Let's go to Esther in Brooklyn. Uh, your turn to be heard here on WABC, Esther. Hey, how are you, Curtis? Um, I'm a little upset tonight with you because you're a good friend of us Jews and as a proud Orthodox Jew living in Bar Park, Brooklyn. I'm shocked that you, you're wondering where we were today. We were protesting, Curtis. We were out there. We were not hiding behind the barricaded doors like the politicians would warn us. You know where we were? We were in our shuls. We were on the streets. You come visit Brooklyn this afternoon. I was so proud. Throngs and throngs of Jewish men, women, children dressed in their Shabbos finery out on the streets 
thumbing their noses at the warning at our Islamic neighbors who call names as we walk down the street, throw garbage out of their windows. We don't care. Today was Shabbos. We go to shul. We prayed. We ate. I'm not giving up my children to fight with the with, with them, you know. And you know what's interesting? You're right about the cops. There's something wrong with what happened at police plaza, letting them down there on the Brooklyn Bridge. But you know what? They weren't in the Jewish neighborhood. They went down to wherever it was over there at the Washington Monument, stick the stupid stickers. They met this guy, good for him, that he said maybe he wasn't, you know, Shabbos religious, or maybe he lives in that neighborhood, so he was around there. But most of us, we weren't going to stop what we do. This is our day. This is our day to spend with family. This is our day to be in shul. You know that. You know our lifestyle. We're not giving it up to stand against some, like you say, fakers wearing shmatas on their heads and hijabs that they don't even know how to put on. And we're not going to give up our day where we have community and unity and and gather the strength and the courage to face these animals for what they are for the rest of the week and listen to the news and support our brothers in Israel and do all the things we can do to support. We're not on those front lines. This is our front line in our synagogue, at our Shabbos table, reviewing our history, knowing our ethics. That's our front line, and that's how we fight back. We don't need to get in the faces of these dumb college students and these dumb people that have nothing better to do on their weekend than come scream at some older guy that's smarter than them and braver than them that he's a Zionist. Guess what? We all are, and we're proud to be. We're proud to be, and we're proud to go out and do what we're supposed to on Chavez tomorrow afternoon, Curtis. You will see us down there, like you've seen us so many times before. I've taken my kids to meet you on the Hanukkah celebrations, the Sukkah celebrations that you joined us in Bar Park Gatherings on 13th Avenue, and we've met you, and we've shook your hand, and we commended you, and we all supported you for mayor because we know you get things done. But don't question where we were today. We were doing what we Jews need to do on, on Saturday, on Shabbos. The ones that are observant, we were doing that. That's how we serve our purpose, and that's how we survive and persevere what we stand for. But tomorrow, you're right, Sunday afternoon, we will be there. And I don't think any of those dumb college students with their backward schmatters on their heads are going to be there in our faces tomorrow when they'll be met with throngs and throngs of Jewish people protecting the ones that they stole from us and the lives they take and the, and the life they want to take and the land they want to take. No, Zionism is not a bad word. Zionism is a good word. Zionism is, means it's the land of Zion. It's our land that was promised us, and we belong there, and we will take it back. Do appreciate that, Esther. Uh, on behalf of Esther and those Jews in Borough Park, she is correct. They voted for me. They did not vote for Eric Adams. Uh, 12 noon tomorrow, Ocean Parkway between Avenues O and P. That's where the Syrians are. They live all along Ocean Parkway. They better not be in their houses or going to Deal, New Jersey to get the hell out of here. They better be there, too. All Jews from Brooklyn need to unite there at 12 noon. Brooklyn unites for Israel. Esther said it best, but let me tell you something. This organization within our lifetime, the radical extension of Black Lives Matter and Antifa, faked out the NYPD. You see, they suggested to the NYPD that they were going to go down Eastern Parkway and go east towards World Lubavitcher Headquarters, 770 Eastern Parkway. So the cops stacked the deck with cops over there. And then they got caught because the demonstrators, they had their own plan. And their plan was to come in and take over Manhattan like they did night after night. 
in the summer of 2020, the summer of George Floyd. And police command somewhere in the structure. I'm going to find out who. From their strategic control room, which is high atop one police plaza, made the decision. It could have been Eric Adams. might have been Eddie Caban. Maybe it wasn't. Somebody said, let the mob go beyond Atlantic Avenue and Flatbush outside of the Barclays Center. Let them cross the Brooklyn Bridge and go into lower Manhattan. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. Somebody's got to pay for that decision. Because all the good feeling the cops had about them being able to finally be cops from the week before in Bay Ridge, when they stopped the mob at 72nd and 5th, and got into a confrontation, as they should have, when they were being, when bottles were being thrown at them, fireworks, they were being spat on, they were being hit, and they formed a horseshoe, and they said, you go no further. And if you attack a, a police officer, you're going to be sucking concrete. And they did. Finally, the cops were uncuffed, only to be cuffed a week later. I want to hear the mayor. I don't want to hear this. I don't take questions off subject. He'll be at some ribbon-cutting ceremony today on Sunday. Or he'll be giving, a, oh, that's right, it's the celebration of the dead in Times Square, the Mexicans. They celebrate the dead, right? Uh, Eric, uh, who's ever listening on his behalf, because I know City Hall monitors me morning, noon, and night at WABC, make sure the mayor addresses the failure of the police leadership to stop the mob. One week after they did such a magnificent job, how do you go from getting an A on your report card to an F? That's because you let the politicians make the decision and not the cops. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. Now which degenerate rapper is this? It's KRS-One, considered the professor of rap. This is his number one song, The Sound of the Police, The Beast. Eric Adams, while growing up, said, oh, I used to listen to KRS-One. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe it was KRS-One who made the decision today at one police headquarters. Let the mob through. Let them take over the Brooklyn Bridge. Let them ransack lower Manhattan. Let them go into Union Square Park. Many of them, white hipsters and millennials with the schmatas on their head and the kafiyas covering their faces, screaming, Alu Akbar. Long live Hamas. Long live Hamas. Right at Union Square Park. How did they get there? Did they take the subway there? Nope. We let them walk over and take over the Brooklyn Bridge. They had no permit for a march. Okay, you don't want to take them on. Let them walk from Eastern Parkway, Flatbush, to Flatbush Avenue, Atlantic. They want to walk back? Fine. You let them take over the Brooklyn Bridge. You let them just trample their way right through the Lower East Side, recreating 
what took place in the summer of 2020. And again, at the start of this mob uh, march was a brave Jewish American. I don't know who he is. I could not bring you the audio. It was just, you couldn't hear it from all the screaming at him. He stood there with an American flag and an Israeli flag, and he waved it. And the mob came up to him, and they kept putting stickers on him. Zionism is genocide, and he he would not surrender. He would not retreat. And they played with him uh, like spinning a top. They spun him around a few times. He would not. He would not retreat. But then, on the Brooklyn Bridge, thousands had gathered. Because remember, all along the way on Flatbush Avenue, when you're going up from the Ark, the Arch, Prospect Park, the library, you're going up Flatbush uh, towards Barclays Center. There are young people who are joining all along the way because, hey, that's a hotbed of uh, activity for socialists. Park Slope, surprised the dope from Park Slope was in there. Bill de Blasio, who told the cops in the summer of 2020 to stand down. That's in Melissa DeRosa's book. Yep, he gave the order, stand down. She was the uh, aide-de-camp. The palace guard, the chief of staff, and who evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha, Bruta Cuomo, who will actually be on our airwaves Tuesday. Like two scorpions in a brandy glass, they would both sting me simultaneously to kill me. The two Italian stallions, Andrew evilized Cuomo and Scaramucci, the Sfacim, Schifosa, the... And it's going to be a debate. I call it the Sfachim versus the Skivosa. Andrew Evilized Cuomo versus Scaramucci. When I last heard, I uh, had a, a restaurant, I don't know if it's open any longer, named in honor of my enemy who tried to have me killed, John Gotti Sr. He called it the Bergen Hunt Fish and Shoot Human Beings Club. Let's hear that Israeli man, again, proud Jew, proud Zionist, as he warned all of us, they're going to come for us, too. Yeah, take a picture. Yeah, I'm a proud Jewish, proud Israeli. And all these supporters, whatever they did in Israel, this is more worse than the Holocaust. And they will do it here as they, if they can. And they did it on September 11th. Don't forget that. They will do it all over the world. They did it in England. They do it in France. Every last terror attack is by Muslims. Every terrorist attack is by Muslims. Yes, yes, I am. Yes, yes, yes. I'm Zionist, and I'm going to sign you in that. Oh, yeah. Go help you, piece of garbage. So, yeah, I'm a proud Zionist. We need to find out who that brave, strong Israeli Jew is. We need to recognize him. By the way, in addition to the rally taking place at 12 noon today, as I told you, Right off of Avenue O and P, Ocean Parkway, I'll be there. The Colonel David Marcus Park starts at 12 noon. It's a second gathering. Mothers standing up for mothers. That's at 2 o'clock this afternoon, right outside the U.N. building. They're inviting all mothers to come stand 
with other mothers, some of whom are waiting for their hostage family members, hopefully, to be released. The mothers of the 30 kidnapped children. Some of whom will be there, others who will be on Jumbotron as they await the fate of their their children and their babies who were last seen in the hands of the Hamas terrorists. By the way, the ruling government of Gaza, not just terrorists, they're the ruling government. So again, you have your choice of demonstrations. I don't want to hear this. You heard Esther in Borough Park. She might as well have been uh, blowing the shofar, called to arms. Too bad we don't have remnants of the JDL every Jew at 22. But that'll be at 2 o'clock right outside the U.N. building across the street. I think that's Dag Hamashow Plaza. Got to be there, especially if you're a mother. Join the other mothers of the 30 kidnapped children. And then at 3 o'clock, you must join our own Sid Rosenberg, who has discovered his Jewish roots. Remember, Sid, when he grew up in Brooklyn, always wished he had been born an Italian stallion who could put crucifixes on a gold chain around his neck, be a R.C. Roman Catholic, really did. But if you listen to his broadcasts, ever since the attack, seems like a lifetime ago. In fact, in about a week, it'll be a month. He's been on fire in the mornings, been on fire. He will be a keynote presenter at the rally. Never again is now. The whole point of getting together Jews and Gentiles outside of Cooper Union. Remember, that was the school right there off of Astor Place in which the Jewish students were trapped in the, in the library and the Palestinian mob came in inside, most of whom I, I believe were not even the students. They were coming over from Washington Square Park where there had been a demonstration uh, earlier. And they were banging on the doors, banging on the doors. Let us in, let us in. Why? Why? You think they were going to sit down and have an utach of the cafe you know, have a little coffee, a little, little hamantashin. You think they were going to have a little coffee and hamantashin? They were going to try to beat the hell out of those Jewish kids. Thank God they couldn't get in. I'm proud of Sid, and I'm proud of any of you. I'm going to have guardian angels there. I don't want to, I'm going to try to make that rally, too. Plus, I have to go back to doing what I've been, the leader of the rebels in Staten Island, be at Midland Beach, where we're going to have the mother of all rallies. Because once again, uh, Eric Adams can't keep his his fingers out of Staten Island, possibly planning to stick even more people in that long-term senior citizen uh, facility in which uh, veterans of World War II and of the Korean War, the greatest generation, they and their wives were kicked into the street and told, find new accommodations, we need the space for illegal aliens. Yep. Right there, Father Capadonna Boulevard, Midland Beach, plenty of parking across the street. I know they say the weather may be inclement today. Do not let the rain keep you away. You got three choices. I'm going to make two of the three. But do something. Don't just sit at home. 
How many Jews listened on Friday when the police said, don't come out for Shabbat, don't come to Brooklyn on Saturday, the mob will be out at Eastern Parkway in Flatbush. And this mob organized very effectively by within our lifetime that has organized many of these rallies and marches, even before the uh, pogrom committed by Hamas against the Jews of southern Israel, who then returned with hostages, over 200. They've been doing this on a regular basis. They're an offshoot of al-Qaeda and Black Lives Matter, a.k.a. now Big Large Mansions, one of the largest real estate uh, firms in America. You got uh, a mansion, they're willing to buy it and then flip it. Oh, boy, those communists became capitalists real quick, those transgenders and those lesbian leaders of Black Lives Matter. Oh, boy. Did they discover capitalism real good because sucker whites out there were giving them money, please. We're going to put Black Lives Matter sign in the window. Don't break it. Don't attack our business. We really love you, Black Lives Matter. How much money you want? Oh, we'll give you even more. Coca-Cola. Shame on you. You see what Black Lives Matter did in Chicago? They said we should all be paragliders. We should all paraglide into the Jewish communities and do what Hamas did to them. Uh, yeah, that's Black Lives Matter. Brothers and sisters in solidarities with Hamas, as is Antifa. But many of the members of Black Lives Matter and Antifa are proud, gay, lesbian, transgenders. How come they didn't take out their flag, huh? At this Palestinian demonstration. How come he didn't pull out the transgender flag or the gay liberation flag? I see them at the Support the Israel Day rallies. I'm sure for some of the Orthodox and Hasidic, they'd rather not see that. But nobody says anything. Because when you're born a Jew, you're a Jew. If your mother's a Jew, you're a Jew, no matter how much of a self-hating Jew you might be. You can't wipe that Jewishness away. But how come all these radicals and liberals and progressives and socialists uh, like Tiffany Caban, who are proud to be lesbians, right? How come when they join the Hamas supporters, they don't have the rainbow-colored flag of gay liberation or transgender liberation? Because they don't want to die or at least be perceived of as being the enemy. Because when you support Hamas, you also support death to transgenders, death to homosexuals, death to gays, death to lesbians. Wake up, you idiot socialists, some of whom are exactly that.
great song. Where are the real Americans? We need to be out in the streets fighting for what we know is right against what we know is wrong. When I sit here in the studio of WABC, and I want to thank all of those who provided me with the intel, because they know that I am not going to reveal in any way, shape, or form those individuals who have ratted out their superiors or have provided me with information that they know I should not have because I'm going to share it with all of you. On the most powerful radio station by day in the nation, WABC, and when it's dusk, the most powerful radio station and force in the world, without a doubt. And our owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, great broadcaster in his own right, we have an agreement. If uh, you're wrong, Curtis, you're wrong, you're gone. And he's absolutely right. If I'm spreading misinformation, if I'm just trying to settle all scores, uh, you know, using this powerful entity to serve myself and nobody else, uh, I should be gone. Get a job, maybe hanging wallpaper someplace. But we have that agreement. And tonight is another night in which information is pouring forth that I can share with all of you. Even though we don't have the most human resource, we have provided more information tonight about what's locally going on than any other news station or news gathering entity. And I want to first, before we continue, thank some of those individuals. First off, uh, anybody can access this information. She puts it up all the time. She has a great news gathering agency. They're always right in the middle of things. She's Scooter. I think her first name is uh, Alia from the Ukraine. Uh, She and her husband run Freedom News, and they have correspondence out at every one of these gatherings, rallies, places where the mainstream media either can't go or won't go. And you can go to Freedom News and see a lot of what occurred from the beginning of the mob uh, so-called demonstration to when they took over the Brooklyn Bridge and to when they took over Union Square Park at 14th Street a majority of them being hipsters and millennials, white people wearing the schmatas and the kafias because it's so cool on the college campuses now, and screaming at the top of their lungs, Alu Akbar, not even knowing what that means. But more troubling than Alu Akbar, because who knows, maybe some of them are converts to uh, <laughs> the Muslim religion. I doubt it. Gays and lesbians and transgenders who were in that crowd, I doubt it. Because there would be no tolerance for you, that's for sure. But then the cry, long live Hamas. Hamas is an enemy of ours here in the United States, in addition to Israel. So let me get this straight. So the crowd was encouraging Hamas, long live Hamas. It wants to take on the big Satan, America, and the little Satan, Israel. Because Hamas, their patrons, their Medicis are the Ayatollahs, the Shia leaders in Tehran, who every Friday in the day of prayer, when they come out of their mosque, 
Immediately, they start doing some kind of a crazed dance in which they call for the death to the big Satan America, death to the little Satan Israel. So I guess they're pledging support to the Ayatollahs who would kill them if they knew that they were gay, lesbians, and transgenders. And again, I know some of them are listening. Why are you afraid to fly your flag? Come on. Whip out your transgender flag in the middle of that mob of Palestinian supporters or gay liberation flag. Notice you don't see any. You certainly don't see American flags because the moment they see an American flag, they burn it along with the Israeli flags. But when you go to a support the Israel rally, you will see gay and transgender liberational flags. Not a lot, but they're there. You will see American flags. Not a lot, but they're there. There should be more. And again, I've told you there are three offerings of demonstrations you can go to today. I'll, I'll keep repeating them all morning long. This is your outlet for news and information. One of them that features our own Sid Rosenberg. And again, I'm going to try to make as many as I can. But we not only have to find out who that Jewish American was at the start of the mob rule up uh, Flatbush Avenue, past Eastern Parkway, and the Grand Army Plaza Arch, waving his American and Israeli flag as the mob spun him around like a top, kept sticking on him those stickers, Zionism is genocide, Zionism is genocide. He wouldn't stop. Got to find that we got to we we have to acknowledge him. He did not heed the advice of the police and elected officials that said on Shabbat, stay out of the streets, Jews, barricade yourself in your homes. Don't come out. And certainly if you're a Jew, don't come to Brooklyn. A hell of a lot of people. uh, Oh, the police told me, hey, get out of here. But the MVP of Jewishness was epitomized by this tough Jew, which Israeli men are tough Jews. Right there on the pedestrian path, he stopped as he was crossing. He saw the mob that had taken over the Brooklyn Bridge, the vehicular paths, and he confronted them as others should have confronted them, but they chose not to. Because they were afraid. Yeah, take a picture. Yeah, I'm a proud Jewish, proud Israeli. And all these supporters, whatever they did in Israel, this is more worse than the Holocaust. And they will do it here as they, if they can. And they did it on September 11. Don't forget that. They will do it all over the world. They did it in England. They do it in France. Every last terror attack is by Muslims. Every terrorist attack is by Muslims. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, I'm Zionist, and I'm going to sign you in that. Oh, yeah. Go help you, piece of garbage. Come there. Yeah. Yeah, they say, well, you're a Zionist. And he said, you're damn right I'm a Zionist. I'm a proud Zionist. He did not surrender. He did not retreat. He stood his ground. We must find out who that proud Israeli Jew is. I mean, that was a man's man. Before that, he had spoken and said, they murdered my family, these effing 
blankety blanks as he confronted them on the Brooklyn Bridge. But there were other men who need to be acknowledged. They were not Jews. They're Gentiles. They were part of a Verizon installation crew. They were like on 108th Street, right before you hit Queens Boulevard in the heart of Forest Hills. And they saw this guy walking around. He looked sort of Middle Eastern, but who knows? Could have been from the Central uh, Asian republics, uh, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, who knows? But he was just walking around like he had all the time in the world, ripping down these posters that had been put up, the hostage posters that had been put up by citizens wanting uh, to let everybody know, gee, these are the hostages held by Hamas. And today at 2 o'clock, if you happen to be a mother, why not join the mothers of many of these 30 kidnapped children who are on these posters outside of the United Nations at 2 p.m.? They're inviting all of you Jews or Gentiles to stand with them in solidarity for the mothers of the 30 kidnapped children. And then the demonstration that I hope many of you will attend because our own Sid Rosenberg, who up until a few months ago, whenever he would talk about rallies or gatherings, he would make fun of people who go to rallies. Now, all of a sudden, the 11th anniversary of Superstorm Sandy, now that he lives in Bell Harbor, he he, he co-hosted with me the rallies to stop the illegal aliens from being put into Floyd Bennett Field. There are now four tents, three more to be built. The mayor's going to make sure he puts 7,500 single, able-bodied, illegal aliens of military age there, many of them from the sub-Saharan North African continent, from countries like Mauritania and Mali that have active uh, ISIS and al-Qaeda cells, Chad and the Sudan. They're already here, these terrorists. All it's going to take is for their central command to trigger them off in some kind of cave in uh, Afghanistan or Yemen. You know, their, their leader will tell them, now is the time to strike the evil Satan America. They're here already. We know that. But our officials, they don't care. Biden, right, leaves the border open. Kathy Hochul, oh, we're a sanctuary uh, state. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens. We're a sanctuary city. We give sanctuary even to our enemies. Isn't that so Christian of us, right, Broadway Billy? As Christians, we give sanctuary even to our enemies that want to blow us up. How ridiculous. But I'm so proud of Sid. Not only did he put on a great performance with Bill O'Reilly, if you happen to be out in Huntington on Friday night, I was there, and I was assuming that the both of them would be on that stage talking politics. I really didn't want to hear politics that night, and they superseded my expectations. They talked about how both of them grew up. And, boy, it was a mood elevator there. I think that's the Paramount Theater right on New York Avenue. It was great. I had to leave a little earlier than I wanted to, but I had to get back in time in order to broadcast till the break of dawn. But I got to tell you, it was great. And I'm hoping uh, that our owner-operator, John Katzmatidis, 
might actually consider putting them out on the road throughout our tri-state area where many of our listeners uh, reside on a daily basis who themselves may have been born somewhere else and now live in Pennsylvania or northern New Jersey or southern New Jersey or the Mid-Hudson Valley or Westchester or out in Suffolk County or Nassau County. I, I truly believe that what O'Reilly and Sid were able to do, that two-man show, could be done all throughout our tri-state area. I know a lot of WABC listeners would come. Everybody was feeling so good at the Paramount. So good. It was a great night. It really was. 24 hours later to realize that our police command that had done such a great job just the week before in turning back the mob on 72nd Street and 5th Avenue in Bay Ridge, 5,000 in that mob, took them on physically, turned them back. We're told at some point in Saturday's mob demonstration against America, against Israel, against Jews, to let them proceed and continue. Past Atlantic Avenue, which should have been the Maginot Line, the line in the sand, Flatbush Avenue, so that they could then eventually go on across the Brooklyn Bridge, like they did in the summer of 2020 during George Floyd. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, they were part of this mob today on Saturday. They not only took over the bridge, they took over Lower Manhattan, they took over Washington Square Park, and then they descended on Union Square Park at 14th Street off of 4th Avenue. And as I saw from the drone footage, mostly white young adults, faces covered by the schmatas, they're afraid of getting doxxed, revealed. Why? You're proud of what you're doing, right? Calling for the eradication of Israel. What's that, what's that song? Yeah, can you play that, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, from the river to the sea? From the river to the sea. From the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. From the river to the sea. Palestine will be free. So they're in Washington Square Park there advocating uh, the elimination of Israel. I don't know where all the Jews would go. Maybe Boca Raton. Maybe they want them drowned in the sea. It's a, a pertinent question to ask if all of that area gets renamed Palestine. Uh, where do the Jews go? Do they get executed? Do they get liquidated? Do they get pushed into the sea or are they permitted time to pack their bags and head to Boca Raton, right? I mean, come on, answer those questions. And instead, those white hipster millennials, members of Black Lives Matter, yeah, they have Black Lives Matter has a lot of white people in it. Uh, and uh, yes, Al-Qaeda, oh, might as well be Al-Qaeda, Antifa, right? They're like brothers and sisters in solidarity. They're all white, Bahrain, from Bahrain. I also met the uh, representative there in the legislature from Hezbollah, yep, uh, and one from Fatah. Now, that was years ago. Boy, that is a weird place. It's like 50-50, half Shia, half Sunni. 
it's like uh, where our largest naval base is in the Middle East and the Persian Gulf. But if you go across the causeway into Saudi Arabia and they check your passport, which obviously they do, passport control, and they see that you have stamped in your passport like I had, that I had uh, come into Ben-Gurion Airport, that's it. You're persona non grata. You ain't getting into Saudi Arabia unless, Broadway Billy, you're a doctor. And then, you know, part of the 3,000 frauds of the House of Fraud of the uh, King Faisal's uh, government there, you know, if all of a sudden they're having uh, their, their ticker, you know, like Red Fox, say, I'm coming, I'm coming. Oh, no, got to get me a Jewish doctor. Oh, that's okay. But Curtis Lee right? A Gentile, part of America, that protected Saudi Arabia from Saddam Hussein's invasion. Remember the first Persian Gulf campaign, huh? I'm not good enough to come into Saudi Arabia because in my passport was marked, boom, I had landed in Ben-Gurion Airport. I said, really? They said, yeah, really. Get the hell out of here. Back across the causeway to Bahrain. And by the way, when you look at the map in Bahrain, it says not the Persian Gulf, it says the Arabian Gulf and Israel back then. Now it's changed Bahrain was part of the camp, uh, uh, the Abraham Accord, Bahrain, the UAE, I think one other country, Morocco, I believe. But when I was there, Israel was Palestine on the map, and the Persian Gulf was the Arabian Gulf. Naturally, if you go to Iran, the Shia uh, country, it says the Persian Gulf, not the Arabian Gulf, and it also says Palestine is the land of Israel. <laughs> Boy, all these map makers are making a lot of money depending on what countries they're in, rewriting geography and history. <sighs> Incredible. Let's go to the phones. To uh, Sonny calling all the way from Florida. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sonny. Yeah, how you doing, Curtis? Um, and I tell you, this is some night... <laughs> You're keeping me awake, but thankfully you are. But uh, I just want to mention, uh, you know, I want to commend you for taking the lead on all, all these rallies and demonstrations. It's, it's, you know, you're really waking up a lot of people, and I hope these uh, these Jews of New York really stand up because this is time they have to. They can't back down like this. They can't sit down. I mean, this is very, very serious, and I, and nobody knows it better than you. Um, and in fact, I'm leaving. I'm leaving Florida to come up there and join the rallies myself because I, I can't stand this anymore to hear all what they're doing, all these crazy students. And, and just tell me this. I mean, look at. I mean, I have a lot of respect for Alan Dershowitz, but here's he, here's a lawyer that one of the best lawyers probably in the U.S. And he votes. What he voted for Hillary. He votes for Biden. I, I just don't get it. You know, he he's like hypnotized with the with the D. You know. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt, and he's not alone. Uh, Sonny, um, I've been organizing Republicans uh, in local elections here. I was at another rally earlier today for Vicky Palladino uh, in Bayside at her campaign headquarters. She's got a tough race against a guy named Tony Avella. He's a lifetime politician. Uh, and I told him, ignore trying to get Jews to vote for you. They're going to vote for the Democrat. Doesn't matter. You go after matter. the Latinos, the Latinas. That's the growing Republican way. 
I won the Asian vote first time ever for mayor. I said, you got to right. go where your votes are. Don't right. waste your time with the Jews. They'll vote Democrat. If Hitler, <laughs> if Hitler was a candidate in the Democratic Party against the Republican, they'd say, you know, that Hitler's a bad guy, a really bad guy. But I got to give this a second thought because, you know, he is a Democrat. You, you took the worst mouth. I was just going to say the same thing to you. Um, but I just want to I, I want to share the story with you. Um, it's a you know, there, there was this 12 year old girl in Florence, Italy, and and uh, she was she went to a convent uh, for 18 years, a, a Catholic convent. And she used to come home during the summertime. Uh, she, had, she had no school and her father was out there. He was working for, uh, you know, for Mussolini. He was in the army. He was a fascist. And what he did was he hid a, a Jewish doctor named Achmeyer. And in one of those big armoires that they have in Italy, they're like nine feet wide, like nine feet high, if you know what I mean. And they had like a passage in there that he would hide because the Germans would come around continuously checking if there was hiding any Jews. And my, and this girl was alone for 12 years old, you know, and, and she would hide this guy. You know, and um, this girl, this girl was my mother. And and, you know, she she taught us to really she says she says one day she said this and she did. She said this for many years. She said someday the anti-Semitism will come back in the worst way with a vengeance. And I used to say, well, what are you talking about? You're, we're not in Italy here. This is America, land of free. This could never happen here. And, you know, she passed away a few years ago, and now it's all coming down. It's all coming back. And I could see it now, you know, in person. Well, and, you, should uh, be, no. you should be very proud of your mother, Sonny, uh, because she, yeah. she understood the cycle of history. If you're a Jew, you're under constant attack. Anything yes. goes wrong yes. in the world, yes. blame the Jews. Blame the Jew. If all right. of a sudden right. I go, yeah. ha-choo, oh, that's the Jews. <laughs> I mean, it's historical. Yeah, yeah no, it's you, a, it is historical. If you're yeah. a Jew, you better not yeah. relax. In fact, I noticed that increasingly Jewish Americans are flocking mm -hmm. to learn gun safety and buying firearms uh, because right. of this war that Israel now has right. to fight again. Smart. Sure. Uh, whatever sure. happened to the JDL, Jewish Defense League, when they said yeah. every Jew at 22, if you don't protect your own, who who is? Who is? Who is? They, yeah, exactly. They have to get armed. They have to arm up, arm, you know, take the target practice, go out there, get, you know, get protect yourselves because, you know, if you don't, nobody else will. Sonny, so they really I, I was amazed when I uh, traveled all of Israel for the 50th anniversary back in about 98. Uh, every Jew I came across was strapped, armed. I thought for sure, my God, how do they keep from blowing each other away, especially when you run across Israeli men. Right. They're tough. They get into arguments oh, they, with other Jews oh, all the time. Right, right, right. But they don't. They don't, but they yeah. were all strapped. Right. You know what I think? They relaxed. I think mm -hmm. if you look at the, the folks who lived in southern Israel, even the the young people who went to that right. rave, I bet you none of them were armed. And then all of a sudden, their enemies come in, Hamas, <laughs> And they slaughtered them. I can't have yeah, imagined that occurring right. back in the 90s when everywhere right. I went, everybody was carrying a gun. I mean, every Israeli. Every yeah, I Israeli. know. I, I, I don't know how they let their guard down.
being investigated now because nobody really knows what went on. I mean, they had these remote sites. I'm, I'm sure you've seen on TV yep. where they had these machine guns and, and they were operated remotely. But that's not the way to go. Nope. You got to have you, human you need intelligence. Human yeah. Uh, yes, Sonny, exactly. and most importantly, yeah. it didn't matter where right. I went. Sabaros, the one they blew up in Jerusalem. I was broadcasting from there from the second intifada when nobody went there. Uh, except me and evangelicals. And I remember, no matter where I went, I could go into a convenience store, I could go uh, to a um, restaurant. The waiters, the waitresses, strapped, open carry. Some people carrying rifles, other people submachine guns, Uzis. I It blew me away for the first 72 hours. I'm saying, oh, my God, <laughs> what do they do when they get into an argument with one another? And I remember I was in Haifa. I was at this uh, restaurant that specialized in falafels. And two Israeli guys were getting into a heated argument with one another because they're gruff. They're like, yeah. And they were both strapped. I thought for sure any second they were going to pull out their handgun that open carry. They didn't. But every Jew has got to carry a gun in Israel. They have to. Uh, Look, you're going to have pacifists. You're going to have some people who don't want to carry a gun. I get it. But if you don't, what happened with Hamas coming in and committing a pogrom, remember, that's the government in Gaza. Nobody's saying that except for me. You know, yeah, it's a terrorist organization, but it happens to be the government too. That's sanctioned by the government, a pogrom, slaughtering people. They were out there in a rave, no doubt having taken ecstasy and molly and the dancing to electronic dance music. By the way, the Israelis have some of the best electronic dance music. I loved it when I was in a lot listening. They have speakers in the Red Sea at night, and you could hear it blasting away. It was amazing. You let your guard down in Israel. That could be it. It's it's the size of New Jersey, and in that state is carved out the West Bank and Gaza. So it's not like it's all of New Jersey. Take away the West Bank, even though there are Jews living in the settlements there with Palestinians side by side, sometimes harmoniously, uh, sometimes not. And then Gaza, which is boxed in. I was there when there were not the barricades, when the Palestinian Authority of Yasser Arafat was running it. Uh, I felt uncomfortable, but there were no barricades then. Uh, There were other Jews going in and out. But now it's like it's barricaded in. The Egyptians have it barricaded in, uh, eight-mile barrier. The Jews, 32-mile barrier. And as you can see, they are bored into the ground, Hamas, man. They're ready. They're ready for this this final battle. And I'll bet you the old geezers who have hyped up the young guys have all escaped into Egypt, into the Sinai. And the young huckleberries will remain behind thinking they're going to get on the Paradise Express and be zoomed to Allah's side to have sex with 72 virgins. They believe that crap. I wonder how they feel when they actually get on the Paradise Express Zoom themselves up to Allah's side, and there are no virgins to have sex with. You think they have doubts, uh, second thoughts about, hey, what do we call that? Jihad remorse? Yeah, jihad remorse. Yeah, I kind of liked it back down there, you know, mate. Can I go back down? No, sorry. No, really. uh, You know, I mean, 
The Paradise Express comes up here, but it's got to go back down and pick up more people, right? Can I take it back down? Nope. You're stuck. Let's go to uh, Mark, who's calling from upstate. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mark. Yes, good morning, Curtis. Great show again. Uh, I was uh, in the military in the mid-'80s, and, yes, I was taken – Back by the, uh, the 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 population with the guns and 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 you know rifles strapped and uh, but they they look they look like they had a, a handle on it and uh, but but it was very noticeable uh, the, the the way they they carried over there and another thing I really want to say quickly is uh, the left the lefties are are very. Um, uh, affronted by uh, cultural appropriation, uh, you hear it all the time. You can't, you can't, um, you can't wear a, say anything on uh, uh, about any other culture. But yet they're wearing the 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 headgear. They're they're carrying the flags, and I see no outcry about cultural uh, appropriation or reappropriation, whatever the word is, regarding this. But see, Mark, it proves my contention that if you hate Jews, which has been historical, you even put aside the fact that you can be targeted too. As I've said, I've battled Antifa and Black Lives Matter. I know the transgenders involved. I know the gays and lesbians involved. Not all of them, quite a few of them. And in the drone pictures that were sent to me, I see some of them. Yeah, peekaboo, I see you. Hey, trannies out there, how come you're not flying a trans uh, liberation flag, huh? Huh? Well, you're out there with the uh, PLO mob there. Uh, I I guess not. (laughs) I wonder why. You think they're all that tolerant towards your uh, gender identification? Uh how about if you visited Gaza and you were saying, well, you got to refer to me by my pronouns. Ahmed will say, what? You know, my pronouns, uh, he and him, she and her, us and they, or whatever the crap is, right? Could I have a little demonstration, uh, Broadway Bill Lee, of, uh, uh, of RuPaul's a drag race, you know, the the transgenders who identify themselves, you know, down to Asia. You oftentimes play that. Could I, could Hi, I... I'm Jackson Bird. I'm a YouTuber and writer from New York City. My pronouns are he, him, his. Hello, everyone. My name is Francis Tolino. My pronouns are she, her. I'm Adam, and my pronouns are he, him, his. And I'm Asia. My pronouns are they, them, and theirs. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. A story about someone you love. Or someone you've never met. Someone real or made up. Or somewhere in between. But first, I want to tell you a story about us. Stories are how we discover our values, ourselves, and the world beyond. Stories weave the fabric of community that brings us together. Through storytelling and creativity, we teach kids about gender diversity and difference in all of its wonderful forms. Building empathy and giving kiss 
the confidence to express themselves. Welcome to Drag Queen Story Hour NYC. We're a nonprofit organization providing a range of fun and fabulous educational experiences for children and teens ranging from 3 to 18 in English y Espanol. We pop up in libraries, schools, museums, and community spaces across all five boroughs of New York City. And even here with you virtually. Empathy is built through experience. And no experience is quite like this. So take an hour, grab someone you love, and join us. Drag Queen Story Hour NYC. Opening hearts and minds. One story at a time. Mr. Hamas, could we bring a Drag Queen Story Hour, naturally done by a Palestinian transgender, to Gaza? Mr. Hamas, could we do that? Hell no. Maybe uh, now that Bud Light has rejected Dylan Mulvaney, maybe Dylan Mulvaney, who feels unsafe in our country, remember how she said she's so unsafe in our country, maybe she could seek sanctuary and be an asylum seeker in Gaza? I was walking around and everyone was staring. And I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. Mr. Hamas, could Dylan Mulvaney come and show solidarity with all of the Hamas liberation fighters, huh? Hell no. Oh, entertain the troops. Hell no. Oh, come on. You know, let's face it. If they... uh They've been uh, chewing some of that hash. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney might actually look good to them in the foxhole. You know, I'd say, wait. So I recently told my parents that I may be a little bit romantically interested in women. And that was a big shock for them, considering the past 10 years of coming out as gay, then queer, then non-binary, then trans. And I think it was just a bit of a shock. So I tell my dad, and he goes, well, I would love to see you get a woman pregnant. And I said... Oh, no, no, no. She would be getting me pregnant. And then he said, what, do you have a vagina now? And I said, never say never. And then I tell my mom, and she goes, I would just love to see you own property one day. And in California, that's sort of, you know, a, a parent's dream. It's not having kids or getting married. It's, it's are you able to own a house? Um, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. That actually was the dream of the lesbians and transgenders who started Black Lives Matter, right, to own real estate. And boy, do they own a lot now. Big, large mansions. Mr. Hamas, Mr. Hamas, could we have drag queen story hour for the little kids? You know, part of the time they are learning to kill all the Jews. Maybe we could give them an hour of drag queen education with Dylan Mulvaney. Hell no. Being their instructor. Mr. Hamas, Mr. Hamas. Hell, hell no. This is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I have one thing to say. You better work. Excuse me, ma'am. No porn at the bar. Oh, it's okay. I'm transgender. Oh, I, I had no idea. Do whatever you want all the time.
Come on, Al-Qaeda. Come on, Black Lives Matter. We know that you got transgenders, gays, and lesbians in your ranks. They're always flying that gay lesbian flag and transgender flag. How, how come when you're with the PLO mob, the Palestinian mob there, you're not flying the flag? What, what are you, afraid? Oh, that's right. You don't want to be ostracized, huh? Ooh, ooh, Mr. Hamas, Mr. Hamas. Can can I be gay? Hell no. Can I be an open lesbian? Can I take this burqa off? Hell no. And prove that I am a lesbian? Hell no. All right. So what the hell are you doing with these crazies out there in the street? I see you, peekaboo. I see you. Yes. Oh, this was good drone footage. I want to appreciate the... Uh, Folks that were operating the drones that were overhead, uh, the mob, as they worked their way from Eastern Parkway up Flatbush Avenue to what I thought would be the end of the uh, the roasting of Americans and uh, Israelis and Jews. But it wasn't somebody at one police plaza. I'm going to find out who. You might as well just come out in a minute. Gave the orders to uh, the police. To allow the mob to continue on to take over the Brooklyn Bridge uh, and then to take over lower Manhattan like they did in the summer of 2020. Like they actually started to do in that that day of outrage, remember, in the aftermath of uh, Eric Garner when he got choked out right there on uh, Victory Boulevard off Bay Street uh, by the police sergeant. And then there were the constant demonstrations in which uh, they basically did whatever they wanted to do and said, uh, you know, was screaming pigs in a blanket, pigs in a blanket. You know, come on, come on. Uh, Occupy Wall Street, they did the same thing, took over the Brooklyn Bridge. During the Eric Garner uh, demonstrations, took over the Brooklyn Bridge. The summer of uh, George Floyd 2020 took over the Brooklyn Bridge like every night, every night. You stopped him. You know, Rudy, he wouldn't put up with that in eight years. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. If you're on the Brooklyn side, you're staying on the Brooklyn side. If you're on the Manhattan side, you got a right to protest, but you're staying on the Manhattan side. You ain't going. You ain't using the bridges. And then Bloomberg got soft, Occupy Wall Street, Zuccotti Park. And then with Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, along with his crooked wife, uh, Charlene, smoking the Maui Wowie and Hindu Kush on the back porch of Gracie Mansion near Carl Shores Park. They basically said, hey, cops, stand back, stand down, don't get involved. If they want to take over the Manhattan Bridge, let them. Brooklyn Bridge, let them. Williamsburg Bridge, let them. Let them take over everything. As long as they... Give us peace of mind here at Gracie Mansion so at night we can get lit up and do puff, puff, pass. Oh, what a disgrace he was. What a disgrace. And again, as we continue, I'm giving you all kinds of information that you're not going to get anywhere else. I am urging many of you to join our own Sid Rosenberg. As you know, he was never a big rally guy. He used to make fun. He readily admits, I would make fun of people who were at rallies. It didn't matter what kind of a rally. You'd never catch me at a rally. And then all of a sudden, with the threat 
of illegal aliens in his backyard in Bell Harbor in Rockaway, across from the Gil Hodges Bridge, where his friend Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, is now planning to put 7,500 single, able-bodied, illegal alien men of military age, some of whom you know damn well are terrorists, in uh, four tents, with three more tents to be constructed on runway 19. Now, all of a sudden, and rightfully so, Sid and others are activated. Uh, they're activated to stop the illegal alien invasion. If for no other reason they know the terrorists are going to use that route to come in and try to hit us a third time because they're going to think a third time is the charm. 93, they tried the World Trade Center, led by Omar Abdel Sheikh Rahman, the blind-eyed, Santa Claus hat-wearing imam of hate. And then they were successful on 9-11. But they got more work to do. Some of them are involved in a blood vengeance feud because some of their brothers in solidarities were taken out by the Americans and our allies ever since. So they want to come back and clear, clear the table. And boy, we are making it so freaking easy for them. But to uh, Sid Rosenberg's credit, he will be at the third rally coming up today in the next hour. Get a pad and pen. I'll let you know where they're all taking place. It's called Never Again is Now. They will have thousands of flyers of the Israeli and American hostages with a message, bring them home, that were taken by the ruling government of Gaza, not just the largest terrorist organization in Gaza, Hamas. Uh, they are assembling today at 3 o'clock at 41 Cooper Square, which is right by the uh, Cooper Union Institute, where you saw the videos of the trapped Jewish students and the Palestinian uh, supporting mob that was outside banging on the doors, screaming, let us in, let us in. Uh, do you think it was to sit down and share some hamantashen and have a nice uh, new touch of the cafe, a little cup of coffee. Of course not. Of course not. Jews are under siege, and if Jews don't come together to protect one another, you think you can depend on Gentiles to do that? Think again. History is replete of instances in which you are left on your own. That's why you had the JDL. Jewish Defense League, formed by Maya Kahani, the 60s and 70s, every Jew at 22. Boy, you really need that now. And Jewish Americans are flocking to learn gun safety and buy firearms amid the war that is now taking place in the Middle East and soon the Persian Gulf, no doubt. Now, you have to. If you're a student of history, if you don't, you will become your own worst enemy. Apathy and indifference are your biggest enemies. You can't trust the rest of the world. You must choose to take care of your own. You must. (laughs) 
On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Ladies and gentlemen, on Saturday, one police plaza, police command got faked out. Faked out and then ended up making a horrible tactical decision. Just a week after they had done a superfluous, amazing job in turning back, the Palestinian-supporting mob that had attacked the cops at 76 and 5th Avenue in Bay Ridge, and they decided we can't let them go any further. Because they want to go to 3rd Avenue where the Irish are out. It's a Saturday night outside of the salty dog, the poor house, the three jolly pigeons. And they will turn these Palestinian pro-Hamas demonstrators into speed bumps if we don't stop the Palestinian supporters. And they did. And the Palestinian supporters attacked the police. You saw it on video. And the cops fought back. Thank God they were. The handcuffs were taken off. Cops could be cops from the 68th Precinct in Bay Ridge to the special, uh, the SRG uh, team that is always sent in to deal with these political kind of demonstrations. Uh, They haven't always been my friends. We've been at odds uh, from time to time when they've utilized them against us, the cop supporters who are trying to keep out the illegal aliens. Uh, trying to keep them out of our country, trying to keep them out of our city, trying to keep them out of our state. And then naturally City Hall would sick the SRGs on us, along with the drones and all the other technology. The Strategic Response Group based right there on West 42nd Street. I know quite a few of them. 
And they've been very helpful in giving me information, ratting out one police plot. So somebody up there in the eagle's nest, that's what I call it, the decision maker in the eagle's nest, uh, determined at about 5 o'clock that instead of drawing the line in the sand of Atlantic Avenue and Flatbush Avenue by Barclays Center, they would permit this rabble, these demonstrators, pro-Hamas demonstrators, to continue on up Flatbush Avenue and take over the Brooklyn Bridge, as they did, and then end up uh, uh, marching uh, throughout the streets of Lower Manhattan, taking over Washington Square Park near West 4th Street, and then eventually up to Union Square Park, where uh, the mostly white crowd, as they were geared up in their uh, schmatas and their key... Uh, <laughs> And in their garb, they make some very cool and hip on college campuses like Columbia, like NYU, like everywhere else. The kafias, oh, they love wearing that. And they were saying, screaming out, Alu Akbar. They don't even know what that means, most of them. But they certainly know uh, what uh, long live Hamas means. Long live Hamas. And again, I can't say it enough. There were two uh, Jews who did not listen to the warnings by the police and elected officials not to come out on uh, Shabbat, the Sabbath and Saturday if you are a Jew in Brooklyn, and certainly not to come visiting Brooklyn if you are a Jew on Saturday, which I I never before heard that kind of advice coming from a police department. I knew something had gone radically wrong from the previous weekend where the police stood strong and fought off the mob of Palestinian supporters who were attacking the police and wouldn't let them go to 3rd Avenue where there would have been a full-scale riot outside of the Hart Bar, the Wicked Monk, uh, Kitty Kiernan's, and the Black Kettle. No doubt about it. And then from strength to total weakness a week later. Why? Because the New York Civil Liberties Union in the meantime said we're going to sue you for police brutality, you folded like a cheap camera, Eric Adams, Eddie Caban. Somebody did. Somebody made that decision to allow this rabble, this mob, to take over Lower Manhattan and to take over the Brooklyn Bridge. And we want answers. There was that one Jewish American at the very start of the uh, gathering. Some were Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinian, Jews for Hamas. But many of them were part of a group that's been running these kind of demonstrations long before Hamas, the ruling government of the Gaza and the largest terrorist group there, decided to launch a pogrom against southern Israel and its its occupants, taking over 200 of them hostage after killing many, many more, launching a war. That's what war is. Hamas declared war against Israel, and Bibi Netanyahu returned that favor within 24 hours by declaring war on them. So you say to yourself, you say to yourself, now that this situation has occurred, there's no turning back the clock. We can't undo what has already been done. Why is it that Jews did not counter-protest the rabble that assembled outside of the Brooklyn Museum. Let me tell you strategically why it would have been important, even if you were uh, severely outnumbered. If you have a counter-demonstration, as has occurred before, 
And even though your numbers may not be as significant as the pro-Palestinian demonstration, those demonstrators will remain wherever you are because they want to, they want to woof you. They want to be screaming at you and the cops will be in between. And it, it's sort of like two gangs ready to fight, but you never get to fight. All you get to do is scream at one another, wave your flags and scream. And they're not going to go anywhere because they don't want to appear as if they're putting their tails through their legs, Broadway Billy, and leaving. Cause then, oh yeah, what? Yeah, you're leaving, huh? It's like, remember when I got arrested outside of Gracie Mansion protesting the fact that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, had at one point suggested that he had plenty of room in Gracie Mansion that he does to house illegal aliens, and the next day sold his old wolf tickets by telling us he couldn't do it, it was just symbolism, and I ended up getting arrested, and when we assembled outside of Gracie Mansion, Antifa showed up, all dressed in black, and I warned the police, I said, look, We won't attack them. We're not here for violence. But I'm warning all of you straight up. If they attack us, we're defending ourselves. And the cops, whenever Antifa shows up, it's like uh, Superman with kryptonite. I don't understand. Uh, They all of a sudden get weak. And so they told us to get behind our pens on the Gracie Mansion side. And they told Antifa to get on their side, of which they completely ignored the cops and they charged us, and we gave them the beatdown of their life. I admit, hey, you want to arrest me now for assault and battery? Come get me. We beat the hell out of Antifa, and they deserved it. They were going to be attacking the elderly men and women in our demonstration, and we weren't going to sit there like men without a set. They attacked us, and I looked at everybody and said, you got to do what you got to do to defend yourself. I don't see nothing. And we beat the hell out of them. Notice, they ain't been back for more, right? Ah, pow! And they fled. They're not used to being confronted. They're used to being the aggressors. They're always dressed in black. They don't want anybody to see who they are because they don't want to. They don't want mommy and daddy who provide them with the blind trust that they live off of to see. Oh my God, you're supporting terrorists. We're not gonna. We're not gonna let you live in Brooklyn any longer on the blind trust. You're gonna have to go out and get a job. What? A job? My job, mom, is to support terrorism. Liberational fighters. No, you're going to have to go out and get a job as a barista in Starbucks. Barista in Starbucks? Yeah, you got to go out and get a job. Maybe two just to make ends meet. Mom, Dad, do you know how much the rents are on Park Slope? It's like 4000 It starts at 4000 Tough noogies. You're on your own, son. That's, you see, that's why they like Antifa, because they're all cloaked in black. Nobody gets to see who they are. To us, it didn't matter who they are. We just hit them. That's it. (laughs) They went down. It's what you got to do. So at the start of this mob gathering uh, outside of the Brooklyn Museum, the Brooklyn Library, uh, Prospect Park, and the Arch, Grand Army Plaza Arch, uh, in tribute to all the men who died during the Civil War so that uh, slaves could be free, both the Army and Navy. Sizable number from our area. Sizable number. There was one Jewish guy who stood up 
in the midst of that rabble, waved an American flag and an Israeli flag together. He clearly, from his comments, was an American. Uh, I, I would play for you the audio of what he was saying as the mob was coming up to him and putting these stickers on him like he was a uh, pincushion that said, Zionism is genocide. He did not surrender. He did not retreat. He stood his ground. He kept completely... continued to fly the American flag and the Israeli flag. Now, that was a Jewish American at the very start of the rabble, the rabble's march to take over the Brooklyn Bridge and lower Manhattan. But the real man's man was on the Brooklyn Bridge, watching the thousands of Palestinian supporters screaming invectives at America and Israel and at Jews. And this Israeli man had had enough. Nobody backed him up on the pedestrian walkway. Nobody. He took them all on on his own. And they will do it here as they, if they can. And they did it on September 11. Don't forget that. They will do it all over the world. They did it in England. They do it in France. Every last terror attack is by Muslims. Every terrorist attack is by Muslims. Yes, I am. Yes, yes. I'm Zionist and I'm going to sign you in that. Oh, yeah. you piece of garbage. You heard as the crowd surrounded him, you Zionists, dripping from their lips as if it was a poisoned word. And he stood up to them and he said, you're damn right, I'm a proud Zionist. That audio and video footage uh, I was able to procure from Scooter, from Freedom News. You really need to go to her website. She and her husband, they do a great job. They're at every event, every rally, every march. And let me tell you something, they go where the mainstream media either doesn't have enough resource to go or is afraid to go. Great, great work. I want to thank the drone operators. Uh, I won't mention their names who provided me with uh, video so I could see who the aggressors were in that mob, that rabble. And, yes, some of the helicopter pilots uh, of the NYPD who were based in Floyd Bennett Field. And, by the way, I've uh, befriended many of them as we continue in our efforts to stop the tents, stop the migrant invasion of Floyd Bennett Field. And to members of the SRG, that specialized unit strategic response group in the NYPD, who were so upset today at the orders that they were given by one police plaza to surrender, to retreat, to allow the mob to go forward from Atlantic Avenue and Flatbush Avenue and move past Barclays Center to ultimately, uh, which the SRG knew was their intention, the strategic response group of the NYPD, the intention of this uh, mob was to take over the Brooklyn Bridge. And they did. And the leader uh, of this uh, group has run many, many demonstrations before. This is not their first uh, 
Time at the Rodeo. It's within our lifetime, acronym WOL, uh, an affiliate of Al-Qaeda, an affiliate of Black Lives Matter, which has become Big Lodge Mansions. We need to find out the name of that Israeli guy. I mean, that that's that's Jewish tough, un, unlike what we've seen here. Nebishi, Shlubby, oh, Schmendricks. Like Chuck E. Cheese humor, oh, my God, please, he reeks of weakness. Weakness instead of strength. And then there was a situation that occurred in Forest Hills. Uh, a group of Gentile uh, Verizon installers, white and black, were doing their job, you know, uh, going down into the sewers uh, where the uh, cable lines are and uh, installing a fiber optic cable. And they saw this guy walking lollygagging down the street. Uh, maybe he was Middle Eastern, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was from Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan. I don't know. He had that that sort of uh, that look of Central Asia or of the Middle East or Persian Gulf. And he was just uh, ripping down these posters that had been put up all over the city. Uh, flyers of the Israeli-American, and I didn't realize this before, Thai hostages. There are like 18 of them from Thailand. I don't think they're Jews. Maybe they work on the kibbutz. I don't know what they were doing in southern Israel, but they are hostages too. Uh, with the uh, name, bring them home. Simple. Putting them up on poles, telephone poles, utility poles, wherever they could put them up. And this guy, like so many in this city, many of them... Uh, who attend uh, university or attend high school, were just going about broad daylight, brazenly, boldly, just ripping them down, not even tossing them in the garbage can, just throwing them on the uh, sidewalk, wanting everybody to see. You ain't going to be putting up no posters like that. And these Verizon guys weren't going to have any of it. Why do you rip it off? Why do you rip it off? Why do you rip it off? Put it back. Why do you rip it off? Put it back. Well, show me what you're holding. So, yeah, keep it on. No, what are you doing? You know where they are right now? Do you have any idea where they are right now? All right. I'm a veteran. I'm telling you. All right. Don't do it. I'm not Jewish. He's not Jewish. I don't know if he is or not. Doesn't matter. This is the U.S. This is New York City. You don't have a right to touch that. This is a free country. You can wave your Palestine flag and say death to the Jews or America whenever you want. But we can put a then don't rip that down. You are doing something. You're offending us. Yeah, you are. When you throw that on the floor, you're littering the city. In a minute, I'm going to litter the floor with you. So move the on. Do you have proof that not kidnapped? No. So shut the I know that's what you want. Go away. And he got the hell out of there real quick. You see, I were a cop on the beat, let's say over there near uh, Yellowstone Boulevard, uh, Austin Street, the precinct is there. I think that's 112. And I were rolling by, I would have told the guys, I'm going for a coffee break. Do what you got to do. Break this guy in half. If nothing more, he's littering. You know, hey, serious crime, littering. Everybody litters here, right? Everybody jaywalks. Today, it's a serious crime. Break them in half. Now, what's your badge number? None of your BIB business. I just told you, go ahead. I'm going on a coffee break. A coffee break. Break the guy in half.
Oh, I felt so good listening to that. Uh, Broadway Billy, I need an encore. I need an encore. Again, let me set it up. It's like near 108th, not far from Queens Boulevard. It's an area there are Russians there. Uh, there's a lot of guys from Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, all the stands. Uh, and uh, there are some uh, Arabics there also. He looked like he could have been any one of them. What does it matter? He's walking like he doesn't have a care in the world. It's uh, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. He's just ripping down these hostage postages. posters. They offend nobody. It's women and children with the tagline, bring them home. He ripping them down, and then he's just throwing them on the ground, right? And this Verizon installation crew, you know, they, they got that fiber optic stuff. And so, you know, they're down in the sewers. And I guess one of their guys, uh, they're all Gentiles. They see what the hell he's doing, and they weren't going to have none of that. They they weren't going to call 911, see something, say something. What a waste of time that would be. You know, I don't call 911 anymore. I take care of it myself. You think I'm going to wait around? You, you think I'm going to take a Bengay bath from my fingers? You call 911, you get... You get the person on the line, the 911 operator. Who am I speaking to? It's Curtis Lewa. Uh, could you spell that for me? C-U-R-T-I-S. Could you slow down, please? Say that again. Curtis. You know, like Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent. Oh, yeah, I like 50 Cent. Okay, so you know how to spell his first name. Okay. Sliwa, S is in Sam, L is in Larry, I is in It, W is in Walter, A is in Albert. Uh, what is your location? You give him the location, got to repeat it like three or four times. What is the purpose of your call? Oh, it's to have a conversation with you. What do you, it's an emergency. We need police here. Well, you have to tell me exactly what is transpiring. And then you go on and you tell, and the person is asking, slow down. They got to write it all down. Slow down. A half hour later, they're still on the phone with you. A guy has just stabbed somebody 52 times. They're saying, are you going to call the cops already? You know, I'm, I'm, my, my arm is getting tired from stabbing this woman 52 times. Hold on. We're almost finished with the 911. They make you feel like you're a dreck, those 911 operators. If you want to be insulted, just call a 911 operator, right? Afterwards, you will feel that you've been soiled, that you need to go take a hot shower. You will be saying to yourself, what is the reason that I call 911 just to get insulted, just to be told? Well, well, you have to be more specific in terms of the situation you're describing. Maybe you should call 311. I did already. I'm calling 911. Well, why don't you reconsider? Call 311. Lady, I got it. I got it. I'm America. I'm the world's vigilante. You, you know who this is? No, I have no idea who you are. And then I take a little extra time. Eric Adams, you know who he is? Oh, yeah, he's the man. Do you know the guy who ran against him? Uh, not really. You know, the guy with the red beret? Oh, oh yeah, that guy, uh, the Republican. Yeah, yeah, that, that's me, Curtis Sliwa. Oh, oh, yeah. Eric Adams bested Curtis Sliwa in this city's 2021 mayoral race. That city is New York City. And shut up.
And the 911 operator showed, you know, they must be living in a cave. Uh, no, I have no idea. Like, why would you even bother calling 911 or 311? They make it feel like you're bothering them. Like, oh, my God, what do you have to do that's more important than taking this 911 call, which would mean it's an emergency, or 311 call, which means, hey, it's almost an emergency. They make you feel like dreck. I hate these people with a passion. You never get insulted more than when you call 911 or 311. Could they be any less friendly? <laughs> like, why are you bothering me? I'm on my coffee break. How long have you been on a coffee break? Oh, about three hours. Are they not the most insulting people in the world? And it's, we serve and protect. We're part of the police department, the civilian wing, where the 911 uh, responders. Oh, no, you're not. You finish talking to them, and you just want to hang up the phone, and you swear to yourself, I'll never call 911 again. I'll deal with it my way. The Curtis Lee vigilante way. Don't worry. Well, what did we do before we had 911? What did we do before there was 911? Did you call the local precinct? Of course you didn't, because they treated you even worse, like the Sarge, the death Sarge. What do you want? Oh, well, I want to report a crime. Well, you have to come into the precinct. Well, the guy has the knife right under my throat right now. Please. Now, you got to come into the precinct. I'm too busy now. I'm too busy eating donuts. It's like whoever created 911 and 311, I'd like to say, did you ever have in mind, like maybe if they were in business, you know, like in Japan, the customer is always right. That's why the Japanese are so good at providing service. The customer is always right. I'm the customer. I pay your salary, 311-911. And you almost hear sometimes when they hang up on you, they calling you a jerk to their fellow 911 operators. Yeah, I had a real jerk on the line. I heard that. Click. Shots fired over there. Can we get a unit over there? Oh, yeah. And then, and then they talk in that jargon. You have no idea what they're, they're talking about. It's like lawyers. You know, you're in a court case, and they start talking that legalese like nobody understands what the hell is going on, even though you've given this guy a massive retainer. And then all of a sudden the judge says, sidebar, come to the sidebar. And they talk in that legalese, and you know you're getting screwed. You know it. You need an interpreter. Actually, they should have an interpreter there in court not to deal with the fact that you don't speak English and someone's interpreting you to your native tongue, but rather explaining what the lawyers are doing to screw you and the judge. That made me feel so good, the Verizon guys. How many times did we play that? Uh, That's a mood elevator. That's almost better than when I went to see Sid and uh, Bill O'Reilly, the two-man show at the Paramount in Huntington on Friday night. Oh, was that good on New York Avenue? Uh, How many times did we play that Broadway, Billy? Did we play it twice just now? I mean, it's once. Oh, we got to play it again. I mean, that that brings me such knockers. I I really... I'm telling you, if I was a cop, I think it's 112th Precinct down Yellowstone Boulevard in Austin. I would say, guys, uh, I'm going on a coffee run now. I'm going to close my eyes. I don't see what the hell you're going to do to this guy. Why do you rip it off? Why do you rip it off? Why do you rip it off? Put it back. Why do you rip it off? Put it back. 
What? Show me what you're holding. So, yeah, keep it on. No, what are you doing? You know where they are right now? Do you have any idea where they are right now? Alright, I'm a veteran. I'm telling you. Alright, don't look up. And he's I'm not, not Jewish. He's not Jewish. Jewish. I don't know if he is or not. It doesn't fing matter. This is fing the US. That's New York City. You don't have a right to touch that. This is a free country. You can wave your Palestine flag and say death to the Jews or America whenever you want. But we can put a sign. Okay? We, then don't rip that down. You are doing something. You're offending us. Yeah, you are. When you throw that on the floor, you're littering the city. In a minute, I'm going to litter the floor with you. You have a proof? So move the f on. Do you have proof that they're not kidnapped? No, so shut the f up. Don't touch I know that's what you want. I'm dying of you in the hospital. Come on. I love it. Between the Israeli guy on the bridge and the Verizon Gentile installers. Oh. It renews my faith that there are men out there, and not just uh, Dylan Mulvaney's and men who think they're women, and women who don't know what the hell they are. Yes, uh, I'm at Broadway in Kosciuszko, and I have been assault in progress, uh, three males. Yes. I'm sorry? That was the mayor on <laughs> his first day on the job. He was calling 911. He's on the, the J train at Kosciuszko. Uh, for some of you schlubs at Kosciuszko, J train elevated. Downstairs is a Mickey D's. And on his first day, he didn't want any police uh, security at all. You know, he had his $5,000 customized suit on. He had his $1,000 Gucci uh, loafers on. And he spotted three Mexicans, you know, have been drinking all night brawling in the street there on Kosciusko, a.k.a. Casillas. Could I hear his feeble 911 call? This was the first day on the job, uh, right after he had been inaugurated the night before when the ball dropped at uh, one uh, Times Square Plaza. You remember he was holding up the picture of his mo- uh, mommy and uh, he had his whole family there, and it's like, you know, 30 years ago, God, you know, told me on this day I would be the mayor of the city of New York, and it's true. And on his first day on the job, he wouldn't even go downstairs and break up this fight between these three drunk Mexicans. No, he had to call 911. Yes, uh, I'm at Broadway in Casciasco, and I have been assault in progress, uh, three males. <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry. They didn't even treat the mayor, right? And by the way, it's not Casiasco, it's Kajusko. Oh, Eric Adams. Oh, my God. Although I will tell you, he was smart enough at the annual uh, uh, Kajusko uh, Pulaski Day dinner. Uh, he paid a tribute to me in front of the old Polish audience, or they would have turned on him and run him right out. I think he had said something about pierogies uh, being sort of like uh, fr- Franco-American uh, F. Chef Boyardee, you know, like, can you get him in a can or something like that? That wasn't too smart. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. I need to hear that Israeli guy again. Oh, please, on the bridge, taking on 7,000. 
Hamas supporters, pro-Palestinian, some of them self-hating Jews, Jews for justice, Jews for Palestinians, Jews for Hamas. I need, oh God, this is so, oh, this is like raw testosterone being shot into my veins and arteries. Yeah, take a picture. Yeah, I'm a proud Jewish, proud Israeli. And all these supporters, whatever they did in Israel, this is more worse than the Holocaust. And they will do it here as they, if they can. And they did it on September 11. Don't forget that. They will do it all over the world. They did it in England. They do it in France. Every last terror attack is by Muslims. Every terrorist attack is by Muslims. Yes, 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 I'm Zionist and I'm going to sign you in that. Oh, yeah. Don't help you piece of garbage. Now, now, I want to hear Mayor Adams with the 911 call. Boy, that's one hell of a tough Jew. Now, remember, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me set it up. First day on the job, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. He had on his $1,000 Gucci slippers. I call them slippers. $5,000 customized suit, all silk. They murdered my family. No, no, no. That, that's a tough guy. That's not uh, Eric Adams. <laughs> First day on the job, he doesn't have his police detail. Remember, he was going, no, I don't need police detail. Right after this day, all of a sudden, he brought up from uh, Virginia Commonwealth his brother Bernard, who had been a member of the uh, Community Affairs uh, Unit for many years. You know, they wear the baby blue uh, pullovers. The uh... God is so weak looking. Polo shirts. God. You look at them and you say, are you cops? Man, you look like social workers, not cops. But anyway. He had been one of those social worker slash cops for many years and then got a job parking cars, valet parking down at Virginia Commonwealth University when his brother said, I need you to head my police uh, detail to protect me from white supremacists. How did that work out? But anyway, on his first day on the job, right, rough, tough Eric Adams, right, he's watching three Mexicans rolling around on the on the ground drunk. It's like uh, 7 o'clock in the morning. Outside of the Mickey D's on Kosciusko, a.k.a. as Adam says, and so many of you Gavones out there, Kosciusko. You know, like the mustard. Remember? It's Kosciusko mustard, not Kosciusko mustard. And listen to the feeble call, because when you get on the line, it's like you're talking to Nurse Ratchet on the other end. Yes, uh, I'm at Broadway in Kosciusko, and I have been in Salt in progress of females. Yes. I'm sorry. They, no, assault in progress. Not past assault. They are they are fighting each other on the street right now. Not of my knowledge. He had to explain himself twice. I never call 911. I never call 311. Never, ever, ever. The mayor's calling, and he has to repeat himself. They didn't even know he was the mayor. Um, 
Uh, who was that on? Uh, what was that? Laughing. Who was that? The uh, operator there. Remember, she always used to uh, click. She came out. She was super lesbian. Uh, Ruth Budgie, I think it was. I think so. Somebody. Anyway, whatever the hell. Oh my God! Can I hear that one more time? Uh, here's Eric Adams calling nine one one on his first day in office, and now you'll know why I'll never call nine one one again or three one one. It's alternative. Yes, um, I'm at Broadway in Pascasco, and I have been assaulted progress of female. Yes. I'm sorry. No, assault in progress. Not past assault. They are they are fighting each other on the street right now. Females. Uh, the, the the operator, the nine one one operator, is giving the mayor a hard time. Now you know why I never, ever, ever call nine one one. I deal with it old school style. I'll take care of it, lady. Get off my phone. I'll take care of it. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. Hello, hello, baby, you called, I can't hear a thing. I have got no service in the club, you say, say. What, what, what did you say, oh, you're breaking up on me. Sorry, I cannot hear you. I'm kind of
Can you imagine if, uh, in this case, Thunder Thighs, Lady Gaga, and Thunder Thighs Part 2, Beyonce, were 911 or 311 operators? The diva of all divas would be introducing everyone to Mr. Click. Don't bother me. But if you notice, Lady Gaga was speaking about Grand Central Station. Why do you think she slipped that into her song? Because remember, her daddy owned the clam bar down there. They ended up getting shut down with everything else during the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. And by the way, taken over by Jews for Palestine, Jews for justice, Jews for Hamas on Friday night. You mean self-hating Jews. They should take a menorah and impale themselves, huh? Hey, what happened to Lady Gaga's friend, Madonna, right? Wasn't she into Kabbalah? Where the hell is Madonna? Wasn't she at the Kabbalah Center? Wasn't she there dancing like a whirling dervish? Isn't she considering herself a pop superstar Madonna with one more facelift and her face will snap like an old rubber band? I need a little Madonna here. I need a little Madonna because apparently she's doing Kabbalah. Remember, Israelis were so grateful for a while because she was showing solidarity with their country by becoming a student of Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Her very presence reminded Israelis that they still had friends around the world, right? Remember that? She was totally in. She had that little wristing of Kabbalah, Kabbalah. The mysticism of the Hasidim many, 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 many centuries ago. Where she was dancing and dancing in a Kabbalah. What happened to all the Kabbalists, right? Didn't they claim that they had influenced Mick Jagger and Britney Spears? Britney Spears. (laughs) The Jewish Federation of Kabbalah followers, right? They even had Kabbalistic schools. Kabbalah, Kabbalah, Kabbalistic schools. What the hell is that? And they claim that there were 72 Hebrew names of God that formed the basis for the arduous meditations and ascetic practices. In the mechanistic world of the Kabbalah Center, mere glancing at the letters is said to infuse a devotee with their healing and invigorating power. Similarly, the center insists that scanning the text of Zohar... The seminal 13th century Kabbalistic commentary on the Bible offers divine protection. You don't have to understand what you're reading. In fact, you don't even need to know how to read the Hebrew letters to absorb the magical properties. 
You can even call the Center for a consultation with a 72-name specialist to find the name best suited to your needs. Perhaps this is how Madonna chose her Hebrew name, Esther, said to have been derived from the word for star. Whatever happened, I thought she'd be out there, you know, entertaining the IDF troops uh, right before their full-scale invasion of Gaza, right? Like uh, USO. Remember USO girl? What happened? Hey, Madonna, where are you? And to our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything, f*** you. (laughs) you. Me? You talking to me? And to our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything, Me? you. What? You. Really? Because I call her out. Oh, she couldn't be more involved with Kabbalah, whirling dervish. Oh, I love Israel. I love the homeland. I love Kabbalah. I love the Old Testament. What happened to her? She's got that big tuchus now from taking all those injections, those silicone injections. You could actually serve a Seder meal on her tuchus, right? Right on a, a silver plate. And that face, what did she do to her face? Oh, my God, Madonna. One more facelift and it's over, girl. What happened? This girl outside of Detroit. I knew you. You were in the Lower East Side at the time. I was living at St. Mark's and uh, right across from Tompkins Square Park and Avenue A. And I'd see you in the streets. I didn't know who you were. The locals would say, oh, that's Madonna. She's chasing all those young Puerto Rican guys. Oh, and you were. Oh, my God. You were. And then all of a sudden, you discover, after you wrote the book about sex, sex with men, women, frozen vegetables, hanging from the chandeliers. Freaky deaky sex, right? You had a book with it all while you were singing your song, like a virgin, right? Then all yes, of a sudden. I'm angry. What? Yes. I am outraged. Over? Yes. I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. What? Oh, that's right. That was on the day that Trump was being inaugurated. And uh, Kabbalah Madonna was outside with the now crowd. Remember, they had had four million strong in Washington, D.C. Can I hear that again? So she's not mad at Hamas. She's still mad at Donald Trump, who had just been inaugurated president of the United States that day. Yes, I'm angry. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Well, that's really more synonymous with what Hamas and Al-Qaeda and ISIS were thinking also, blowing up the White House. What a freak. If you vote for Hillary Clinton, I will give you a job. Okay? I'm good. I'm not a douche and I'm not a tool. I take my time. I have a lot of eye contact. Yeah. And I do swallow. What? What? What happened to Madonna?
not in the Kabbalah cult. I thought you'd be out there entertaining the uh, Israeli Defense Forces. Boy, did she lose that Kabbalah thing real quick. Uh, were any of those young adults uh, followers of Kabbalah who were in the desert there near the Negev Desert who got slaughtered by Hamas when they were at that uh, electric dance music rave? Probably while having ingested uh, ecstasy and molly. I argue that Madonna's endorsement of Jewish mysticism helps make Judaism attractive to alienated young Jews. You think maybe Jews ought to protect their tradition from people like Madonna, right? Hey, come on. You're right. You really want Madonna to be your spokesperson, Jews out there? You think distorting Judaism is good for Jews? For centuries, the Kabbalists, or whatever they call them, uh, vehemently guarded your secrets, wary of it becoming popular, and then all of a sudden you have this Kabbalah center, and they end up having who? Britney Spears lip-locking with Madonna. By the way, if she did that with the Palestinians, marching with the Palestinians, you imagine if Britney Spears and Madonna were lip-locking with one another in solidarity, lesbian love, what do you think would happen to them in the Palestinian, pro-Palestinian mob, huh? It wouldn't be good. That's for sure. Uh, the mob would probably pick up stones and stone them right there. Again, I ask all these liberal progressives, these socialists, uh, these AOC acolytes, uh, right? AOC all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Do you realize what this mob would do to lesbians lip, lip locking with one another? Like what was it? Britney Spears did with Madonna on the stage of those MTV awards. Remember, they would stone them to death. <laughs> If two guys, uh, let's say, uh, what was that, uh, remember, what was that group, uh, man, Puerto Rican group, Mandingo was that, Ma Mangu, uh, Mafungo, what was that group with Ricky Martin, uh, Menudo, right, one of those things. Remember we found out that Ricky Martin was gay, oh, what a shock that was, right, oh, I couldn't. I was shocked. Ricky Martin of uh, Mafungo Menudo. Uh, what is that that, that group uh, again? What are they called again? Oh, Menudo. Ricky Martin is gay. Oh, I, I couldn't recover. Like all these boy bands, right? Oh, they're gay. Really? I'm surprised. I'm shocked not. So just imagine if Ricky Martin with his husband uh, were all of a sudden deciding to pledge support for uh, Hamas. They had the kafia on, very cool. Ricky Martin, uh, Mofungo, Mandingo. <laughs> what is that again? Oh, Menudo. How you doing? No, how you doing? So uh, he's uh, walking along holding hands with his husband. What do you think these Palestinian supporters would do? They would take a sword and chop your three-piece set off. Yep. This is amazing. The very same people who would be out there marching for transgender rights, marching for 
for the right of drag queens to go to a library and have drag queen reading hour for your children and grandchildren. Flying their transgender flag, their gay rights flag, their liberation flag. Some of them were supporting Hamas earlier today. I recognize them from the drone photos from the days when I was battling them in the streets in the summer of 2020 of George Floyd. When it's clear now that, yes, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor of the dope from Park Slope, did give the police the orders to stand back. And I and the Guardian Angels had to deal with all of them. Yeah. Where's Madonna when you need her? Number one Kabbalist, right? Whirling Dervish. Come on, come on, Madonna. For old time's sake, why don't you get that uh, crazy Britney Spears... Join one of these pro-Palestinian demonstrations. And for the love of Hamas, just kiss one another on the lips. What the hell do you think that Mr. Hamas would say about that? Off with their heads. I want them on a silver platter delivered to me. Because soon I'm going to be on the Paradise Express, zooming my way up to Allah's side to have sex with 72 virgins. Sure you are. Now, the latest from the 77 WABC Newsroom. The pictures just keep coming of the horrors of the Israeli-Hamas war. Former Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz on 77 WC's Katz and Cosby program says it's a one-sided battle fueled in part by Iran. If they had been tough on Iran to begin with, I contend they Look, wouldn't have been I able to fund the war. They wouldn't be I able to fund it. Look, this is going to sound very warmongering, but I have been saying this for years now. The only way to stop terrorism by Hamas and Hezbollah is to take it out on Iran. They are the puppet masters. Israel and the United States ought to use this as an opportunity to bomb Iran's nuclear reactor. We should be bombing it anyway. Imagine if Hezbollah and Hamas were armed with nuclear weapons or even if Iran were armed with nuclear weapons. This is the time to together jointly arrange an operation and destroy Iran's nuclear capacity. The world will will accept it at this point more than they would accept it at other points because they know that Iran is behind this. And the only way to send a powerful message to Iran is to destroy its most valuable facility. That that is its, its nuclear arsenal facility, which they deny they have, but of course they have it. Professor, this is Craig Eaton. I have one question for you. What do you think the White House and Biden are afraid of by not going after Iran? Well, they're afraid that it will widen the war and that China might get involved, Russia might get involved. Russia's a little busy these days. China is also busy planning its takeover of Taiwan, which will eventually happen if the United States doesn't show any backbone. So I think that bombing the Iranian nuclear reactor would send a very powerful message. You can listen to the Cats and Cosby show on 77 WABC Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. or download the 77 WABC app and listen to the show online. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Check this out. On the weekend, take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
What? What? What happened? Whoa! Whoa! What did you give that a bris? <laughs> the crazies are out, ladies and gentlemen. Roaming around, as I saw before the show began today, as I take you to the break of dawn. Oh, no, you're not going to sleep. There's nothing that's comparable to what I do on the overnight theater of the mind. Nobody can touch this stuff because it's solid gold in terms of the information that I partake and uh, share with all of you. Stuff you'll never get anywhere else, but more importantly, when we verge and enter into theater of the mind, theater of the mind, which is what I do absolutely best. And the other side of midnight, the better side of the other side of midnight, as opposed to Frank, Mr. Hamas, the Mameluke, Morano. With his endless interviews, you know, no labels. This guy wants to run for president. I never heard of him before. Two minutes into the conversation, I'm already sleeping. You know, it's the best remedy if you're, you're not sleeping. You know, forget the Salmonex. No, no. Forget hot milk, hot toddies. Just listen to the Frank Morano show, man. He'll definitely have a guest on that'll put you to sleep. A guarantee. Without a doubt. But you're not going to sleep on me, no, till the break of dawn. I'm sorry. I'm robbing you of sleep. How many people have told me that? I don't get any sleep when I listen to you on the weekends. Don't worry about it. You'll get plenty of sleep when you're dead. (laughs) There's nothing more to do. But then again, where was my wife, Nancy? Lone Wolf One. Remember, that is... Her nickname. I've had reports that my wife has been all over Central Park howling at the moon as Lone Wolf One. She actually has on the wall for all of our rescue cats to see. She calls it the full moon October calendar. And guess what today is? The origin of the hunter's moon. That was not named after uh, my youngest son, Hunter. No, 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 no. Nor Hunter Biden. Oh, that's the bad Hunter, right? The Hunter's Moon, often known as the Harvest Moon, Travel Moon, and Dying Grass Moon, depending on your tradition, is the full moon after the autumnal equinox, which typically occurs in late September. Its name harkens back to the time when Native American tribes and early European settlers used the moon's light for essential activities like hunting and gathering in preparation for the winter months. And all of a sudden, there would be a howl coming uh, from the direction of my, my wife, Nancy, who would be perched up on a boulder, Lone Wolf One, baying to the moon. Now, to all of you who are somewhat skeptical, why not make reference to Farmer's Almanac? Don't you do that now? You don't You don't watch the weather reports. You don't even listen to our weather reports here at WABC. I know what a lot of you Weisenheimers do. You reach for your copy of the Farmer's Almanac. Well, check it out. The term Hunter's Moon was coined because during this period, the moon rises relatively early in the evening, providing extended illumination. 
No, it has nothing to do with the Illuminati that Frank Morano, Mr. Hamas, is fascinated with in all of its anti-Semitic overtures. No, 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 no. Because during this period, the moon rises relatively early in the evening, providing extended illumination. This extra light allowed both hunters and gatherers to make the most of the fading daylight hours and gather essential resources before winter's chill set in. That is true this year as it was at its peak full at 4.24 p.m. today. So the fact that I'll have no contact with my wife, Nancy, Lone Wolf One, it's because she's... She's actually on the prowl all throughout Central Park. Baying to Hunter's Moon, a.k.a. the Harvest Moon, a.k.a. the Travel Moon, a.k.a. the Dying Grass Moon. Now, did you really need to know all of that, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, That was like a little too intimate, a little too... A little bit to uh, informing of you uh, of the idiosyncrasies of my wife, Nancy. Yes. The fact that I don't even know how old she is. That should be troubling, right? The fact that even though she was birthed in uh, the print, green print, like a lot of Polish Americans, and then immediately escaped to Bohemia, somewhere out in Suffolk County, where I can't even find it on a map, somewhere near Lake Ronkonkoma... It should give us all pause for concern that I have a wife, Nancy, who in a few hours will be on with me as we do the weekly animal welfare hour and know that her show preparation involved baying at the moon until the break of dawn. And imagine what all the critters think, all... The little kitties and the patriarch, Apollo, and the matriarch, uh, Athena, think, as they watch Nancy howling at the moon, right? It's a little weird, isn't it? They think I'm weird, you know, with the red beret, red sateen jacket, running around at the age of 69, right, playing superhero. They think that's weird. No, no, no. This is weirder. (laughs) This is weird. Hey, where are you going, uh, honey? Oh, I- I'm going into Central Park to Bay at the Moon. Uh, I should be back at about 4:24 when the total eclipse uh, is complete. <sighs> now you know what I'm dealing with, huh? Now you know what I'm dealing with. And by the way. Uh, Halloween is my wife's favorite holiday. She loves Halloween. Loves it, loves it, loves it. She sees all of those that are her peer group, being the hipster and millennial that she is, getting all dressed up all this weekend. I don't know what the hell they're doing out there till the break of dawn. Getting drunk and loose and wild and acting up, no doubt. But they're all over the city. I mean, everywhere. They're in the subways. They're half drunk. They're passed out. They're up on the streets. They're hanging out at the gin mills. And they're all dressed freaky deaky. I mean, 
for some of the women out there, they're a little on the softic side, you know, a little bit on the heavy side, and they're wearing these, like, mini, mini skirts, and it's sort of like, lady, I don't know what you're trying to be on this uh, Halloween, but that's holly weird. God. And then guys, guys walking around like they're doctors, like they're Dr. Casey or Dr. Kildare with the white schmata on, and then they want to they wanna listen to your heart. Hey, you freak, get your hands off of me. <sighs> and they think, no, this is like method acting. I'm getting into it. They're on the subways, and they think they're safe in numbers. Really? You got to travel like an army. We'll be dealing with subway crime in the next hour, which is completely off the hook, completely out of control. But now I want to deal with the most pressing issue surrounding Halloween. Which is Thursday, uh, Tuesday, right? The 31st Tuesday, right? So when you make your way into our humble abode and you push aside all the toys for the kitties and all the catnip that they love to play with, there's bags and bags and bags of candy corn. You see, you can either be a fan of candy corn like Nancy is. She's in love with candy corn. Or a foe like me. You can either rave about candy corn and Halloween like Nancy does. Or be in a rage like me. Love it or hate it. The only time you ever, ever think about candy corn is come Halloween, right? (sighs) And if you happen to be a trick-or-treater, right, do you covet what some people like my wife Nancy considers a seasonal delight? Or do you chuck it in the trash can like I used to do as a kid when I would say, what a cheapskate. Puts a few candy corns in like a paper towel ripped from the roof with a little rubber band around it, right? What a cheapskate. How come there's no Milky Way bars in here, right? No Mars bars, uh, no Snickers. Yeah, give me a little paper towel filled with the thing that I most despise. I hate, I loathe candy corns. Now, in the pantheon of uh, various candies and the kind of emotions, you know, some people are addicted to candies and sweets. That's my wife, Nancy. I hate them. That classic, shiny, tricolor. No, it's not a tricolor salad, idiots. Don't worry, it has nothing to do with Italy. Tricolor. Oh, he's going to talk about Italians. No. The kernels are in autumn white, orange, and yellow. Fans and foes alike point to the same attributes. It's plastic or candle-like texture. Yeah, it's like you taste it. It's like eating a candle. And then that mega sugar hits you and you're catatonic. Let me tell you something. 
when they make the candy corns, they must use a bag, a five-pound bag of Domino sugars for just like 20 candy corns. You get catatonic. My wife, she's vehemently pro-candy corn. That's because it's all sugar. She says, what is not to love? I love candy corns. In fact, Curtis, I love candy corns in this time of the year more than I love you. That's very obvious. I say, Nancy, what is it, the waxy texture that you like? Or that you can eat it only once a year? Let's face it. If anybody puts out candy corn the rest of the year, you look at them like, ooh, weird. Whereas I think candy corn is disgusting. Man, it's gross. But Nancy would say, well, that's what makes it so lip-smacking good. She even said to me one time, oh, I really like candy corn. I know you think it tastes like a candle, but it's really good, finger-licking good. I also like that many people hate it. It makes my wife Nancy love candy corn even more. Now, who the hell churns out all this candy corn like once a year? What is that, Brock's? 30 million pounds of candy corn for the Halloween season each year, or enough to circle the planet Earth five times. Last year, that amounted to $75 million of $88 million in candy corn sales. That's a lot of moolah moolah. That's a lot of ducats. When compared to top chocolate sellers, and my wife is hopelessly addicted, Nancy is, to chocolate, and other popular confections, candy corn is a niche item. A few other candies have seeped into our culture quite like these pointy little sugar bombs. No other way of describing it. If you're a diabetic, stay away from the candy corns. And look, I realize that other candies have their haters, like me. Peeps. Oh, my God, I hate those peeps with a passion. Circus peanuts. Peppermint Christmas nougats. Yuck! Spare me. Give it to a homeless person. And then you see all the memes. There are memes out there about candy corns all over the world. It has inspired, my wife has told me, her, to get involved in decor and fashion, something she was never in before. Her pension, her desire, her obsession, her addiction to candy corns. It has its knitters and crocheters. And even makeup enthusiasts and nail designs of candy corns. How crazy is that? And how does it make its way into the nut bowl? Have you ever been sitting there, you're watching a football game, and they say, hey, have some nuts. 
and you take a scoop of nuts, and all it takes is one freaking candy corn in there, and I'm like spitting it all out. I hate it so much. Or it's in like a trail mix. Like, how did that get in there? Candy corn. And then they put it on top of cupcakes. And worse, into those Rice Krispie treats hidden out of sight, out of mind. Vans put out a pair of shoes emblazoned with candy corn. Nike used its color designs for a pair of dunks. And Kellogg's borrowed the flavor profile for a version of its Corn Pops cereal. All of this came from the one candy that I hate, I loathe, I despise. The candy corn. So as consumers rave or rage, Brock's which apparently has a monopoly on the production of candy corn. Maybe we can make that company go bankrupt and we'll never see another candy corn in our life. Has turned to fresh mixes and flavors over the years. A turkey dinner mix. Can you imagine that? A Swanson TV turkey dinner with the mashed potatoes and candy corns. Oh. And, you know, there are a variety of kernels that tasted like green beans, roasted bird, cranberry sauce, stuffing, apple pie, and coffee. Well, guess what? They never cut the mustard. They'll never be back. Never, 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 never. The other flavors that they've tried to inject into the candy corn are s'mores, blueberry, cotton candy, lemon-lined chocolate, and, yes... The proverbial pumpkin spice that so many of you want this time of year. In your cup of coffee at Starbucks. Can I have the pumpkin spice? Well, that'll be $8.50. Oh, I got to have my pumpkin spice. I got to have my pumpkin, my pumpkin spice. You know, to me, it's very unclear when candy corn was invented. Some folks say it started in Philadelphia back in 1888 in collaboration with a longtime employee of a candy factory named George Renninger. It was simply called back then buttercream with one type named chicken corn that made sense in an agrarian society kind of a way. Several years later, the Getz, yeah, like Bernard Getz, confectionery company, now Jelly Bean, began to produce candy corn, calling it chicken feed. Boxes were adorned with a rooster logo and the tagline, something worth crowing for. Brocks began candy corn production in 1920. So you see, Broadway Bill Lee, it's more information about candy corns than you ever wanted to know in your whole life. I guess I can say, in the proverbial way that was said for years and years and years and years by Paul Harvey, and now you know the rest of the story about the candy corns that I hate, I loathe. And I despise. <laughs>
is another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Secrets that you keep while you're talking in your sleep if you're wide-eyed and bushy-tailed as I take you to the break of dawn. Whoever you're sleeping next to will never hear it because you're wide awake. Think if you weren't listening to me, if you were listening to that Mama Luke, Frank, Hamas, Morano, right? You'd not only be in a deep, deep REM sleep, but you'd probably be saying things that you wouldn't want your partner to be listening to, right? Huh? Get the heck out of here, What a great song. Great song. Let's go to the phones. It's uh, Pete calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Hi, Curtis. Two separate thoughts. First one, liberated Jewish and liberated Catholics 
simply have liberated themselves uh, from the first three commandments of the Ten. Uh, my second statement is that I saw the movie at the movie theater. It was how kind and merciful and patient the Taliban was with the Benedictine uh, Catholic monks in Algeria, North Africa, 1990s. They gave them two days to leave the country in their kindness and patience, and they did not leave, so the Taliban came back and cut all of their throats, the whole entire monastery. Wow. Such a bummer. <laughs> wow, was that a stinkeroonian bummer? Well, let me tell you what some of these Palestinian supporters were carrying around with them. Because the Blanquito supporters, the hipster and millennials coming, uh, you know, as they have from Iowa, where there are more pigs and people, and Idaho, where there are more potatoes and people. Uh, they're not Arabic. They don't come from a Middle Eastern or Persian Gulf background. They don't know any of this. But they were all there in uh, Union Square because somebody at one police plaza or maybe even Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, made the decision to allow the mob to continue uh, up Flatbush Avenue to cross over the Brooklyn Bridge where they took it over and then to rampage through lower Manhattan finally taking over Washington Square Park, postering up the George Washington statue on the Ark with uh, Zionism as terrorism, and then marching their way to Union Square Park, where they had filled the park to its brim, mostly white hipsters and millennials with the shmatas on their head and the kafias, because it's so cool, it's so hip to be in a fraternity or a sorority or walking around campus. You're the big guy, the big gal on campus. If you got a kafia and you've been at an anti-IDF demonstration or Israel demonstration or uh, any demonstration against Jews, right? It's like, yeah, especially if you're a Jew yourself. If you're a Jew for Hamas, a Jew for Palestinians, a Jew for justice, oh, you're premium. Oh, oh, the, the rabble rouse is slumber. Put them to the front of the line. Yeah, can you have your, your prayer show? Put that on, please. Your yarmulke, well, we won't take it off your head and play frisbee with it. Just put it on your head. You're, you're the titular leaders of this movement. Stay to the front of the line. Let all the cameras get the optics, right? You're Jews for Palestine. Uh, yeah, that's the new acronym. J-F-P. Jews for Palestine. Uh, can I ask you a question, uh, Mr. Hamas? Jews for Palestine. Uh, what happens to the, the real Jews in this new land, Palestine? Hey, they got a choice. They can swim in the Mediterranean Sea with the dolphins, or they can uh, fly their way to Boca Raton. Excuse me, Mr. Hamas. There's not enough housing available in Boca Raton. All the Jews have fled New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and eastern Pennsylvania in order to make it to Boca Raton. Well, that's their problems. So in the hands of some of these supporters of Hamas terrorists, these were the Arabic supporters uh, earlier on uh, Saturday, they had, now, 
it shows you how far back this goes. They had script in their hands that said October 2nd, 1187. I mean, I'm saying to myself, this is like, uh, you know, Rabbi Joe Potashnik coming up with A.R. Bernard at 7 o'clock, 7 to 8, before uh, John Katsimatidis uh, has his newsmaking edition in which he lights it up all over the country with his vast array of guests from 8 to uh, 10. I think I'm going to ask Rabbi Joe Potasnik to have in front of him the acronym BC. You know, like we speak of Jesus Christ, AD, BC, right? Before Christ, after death, that kind of thing. I think we're going to have it BC because uh, Rabbi Joe Potasnik was the first broadcaster after we flipped from spinning stacks of wax, the greatest of all time, Cousin Brucey, who you heard hours ago. From 6 to 10. Greatest DJ of all time. Uh, and then we... Oh, that's right. Can I hear that one more time? Please, please. Say I don't Cousin know. Brucey. That's right. we got to show all respect to uh, Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I disparaged him. <laughs> Ooh, oh, man. Oh, hold on a second. Whoa. I cannot take Cousin Brucey's name in vain. So anyway, there was that moment in which we flipped from spinning stacks of wax to all talk. And the very first person who was on talk radio, WABC, was Rabbi Joe Potasnik. So from now on, whenever he's introduced uh, Broadway Billy, it is BC Rabbi Joe Potasnik. You know what the BC stands for? Before Curtis. That's right, before Curtis. We don't have an A.D. yet after death because I ain't dead yet. Although a hell of a lot of people out there would love to see me room temperature like a cadaver in formaldehyde. All we have is where you were broadcaster B.C. before Curtis. Because what does W.A.B.C. stand for, especially on the weekends? Morning, noon, and night, you hear me. Uh, always broadcasting Curtis. So on the WABC calendar, when it talks about all the various presenters and show, wow, presenters, that's what they say in the U.K. Yes, he's a presenter on the BBC, BBC one, two, three, four. Well, guess what, BBC? You can't touch this. WABC is the global radio station when the sun goes down around Mother Earth. Nobody more powerful, not the BBC one, two, three, four or more. W.A.B.C. But Saturdays from 12 midnight to 6, so nice. The suits let me do it twice Sundays, which we're in the midst of right now, 12 to 6. <sighs> it's uh, It doesn't get any better than this. But from now on, when we introduce Rabbi Joe Potashnik, as he will be introduced on his program with uh, A.R. Bernard at, uh, from 7 to 8, it should be B.C. Rabbi Joe Potashnik before Curtis. Where faith matters, the Rev and the Rabbi. Uh, never do they have a nice thing to say about me, by the way. It's always kissing uh, the tukas of Eric Adams. Oh, my God, if those guys sold out. By the way, have they taken any illegal aliens in? The mayor had to uh, go over that again. Only two churches, uh, two evangelical churches up in the Bronx have taken in some illegal aliens. They get paid $126 a head. 
to take in an illegal alien. I noticed Rabbi Joe Potashnik with his congregation uh, right there in Brooklyn Heights, none. I noticed Reverend A.R. Bernard with his megachurch uh, on Linden Boulevard, make that Flatlands Avenue and Pennsylvania Avenue, where Canarsie meets East New York, right built on the old Lucchese chop shops where they had buried dead bodies underneath. Not one appearance have I been requested to make at Reverend A.R. Bernard's uh, megachurch that seats 5,000. Yeah. That wait, wait, that that door that door is an exit. That door is an exit. Feel free to use that. Where's um? Where's Curtis Sliwa when you need him? Yeah, Rabbi Joe, you had this uh, this town hall meeting with Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. Uh, was hosted by Reverend A.R. Bernard, took his kisser, and Rabbi Joe Patagnik took his kisser of Eric Adams. And there were protesters who were there. And Eric Adams' uh, police detail didn't do anything with him. In fact, he just allowed them to spew venom in the direction of Rabbi Joe Patagnik and A.R. Bernard. And by the way, running up on the stage to protect Eric Adams was Peter King, who was half in the bag, who thought that, oh, my God, it's the leader of, oh, my beloved Sinn Féin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, Adams. No, not Jerry Adams. Eric Adams, Peter King. That's what you get when you've been drinking too much Jameson. And they feel that they've accomplished something. Yeah, we really really showed that one. Yeah, yeah, we showed them. (laughs) But I will tell you, you know, you and I had a conversation about this, you know, after after the meeting. And you were concerned that the protest went on for like five minutes. Thank God that we didn't, you know, allow that to take up the broadcast. Well, had Kurt has been there instead of being afraid, <laughs> being afraid Uh-oh. to be there Uh-oh. with us, Uh-oh. you know, hiding, <laughs> you know, as he often does. You know, he's going to come back at us on his. <laughs> well, he said we you were. That, right? He said, "Well, we throw beach balls." You know, it, 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 one thing about Curtis, I love Curtis. But Curtis, he can't exaggerate. Uh, I, you think so? Yeah, you, you Just know, a little. I, I, you know, he said that. Peter King came up, ran up on stage to protect the mayor. <laughs> I mean, never happened. Oh, yes, it did. And not because he was trying to protect Eric Adams, but he was so half in the bag, Peter King, drinking that Jameson, that he thought it was Jerry Adams of the IRA, the Sinn Féin. Yes. By the way, Peter King was at... Uh, Huntington, the theater, the Paramount Theater, Friday night, uh, he had his wife there. I actually learned Broadway Bill Lee for all the times that I met them. Thought his wife was from Long Island. She's from Atlanta. I said, how did you make this mistake marrying Peter King? She said, I think about that often. I'll just leave it at that. I'm not, look, I'm not a homewrecker. I don't want to cause problems. I'm just pointing out, which is kind of obvious. Peter King, when running up on the stage at the Charlie Sheen, uh, what do they call that? It's a Charlie Sheen Center. No, no, no. I, I know you're going to tell me Bishop Sheen. No, no, no. Bishop Sheen had a battle with Cardinal Spellman. Uh, Bishop Sheen lost. He had to go back to Peoria, Illinois, where he originally was from. And uh, Cardinal uh, 
Cardinal Spellman ended up frolicking, uh, wearing dresses uh, like Drag Queen Reading Hour with J. Edgar Hoover was wearing dresses when he met him from the FBI along with his uh, boy toy, Tolson. Oh, yeah, right at the rectory there, right at the rectory, across the street from the Helmsley Palace or whatever they call that now for all the Euro trash who go there. But I digress. So... Some of these crazed fundamentalists who were out there taking over the Brooklyn Bridge and then rampaging through uh, lower Manhattan, taking over Washington Square Park, doing a hop, skip and a jump to Union uh, Union Square Park, 14th Street, 4th Avenue, where they were screaming, Am, ah, Allah, ah, war, and then long live Hamas. <laughs> Yeah, Allah Akbar. What do these hipsters and millennials know about Allah Akbar? And then followed by the chorus, Long Live Hamas. So some of these crazed uh, supporters of the Palestinians, fundamentalists, uh, Muslims, were carrying around script in their hands that had the date on it of October 2nd, 1187. 1187. In which... They were praising uh, Saladin's army because Saladin's army, the leader of the Turks, the Muslims, had surrounded Jerusalem and Jerusalem had surrendered after 88 years being under Christian control. Now, why would they be holding that up in the air while they were screaming, Allah Akbar? think they were trying to recreate the takeover of Jerusalem, the Holy City, by General Saladin and his uh, army on behalf of the Muslim worshiping world? You think, you think, you think? Yes, I think a lot about that. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa.
the break of dawn. Ain't nobody going to sleep on me. That's an insult. Gonna be able to talk about Jews on the rebound here. All right, Jews and Gentiles, time to fight back. You saw what happened yesterday. Jews for Palestine, Jews for justice, Jews for Hamas, and their surrogates, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, which has become big, large mansions, were out in force, marched from Eastern Parkway, Flatbush, all the way to the Barclays Center, and then inexplicably were given the green light to march across the Brooklyn Bridge, take it over and then ransacked their way through the Lower East Side, attacking police, vandalizing police vehicles, putting up the graffiti that I saw all throughout the city in the summer of George Floyd of 2020. Wow. It's like a flashback. A-C-A-B. All cops are bastards. All cops are bitches. Everywhere. Vandalizing everywhere. Zionism is genocide. And then the chant in Union Square Park by mostly hipsters and millennials hiding behind their kafirs and their shmatas. Members themselves of Black Lives Matter. I remember seeing some of them in the streets in the summer of 2020 and Antifa. Long live Hamas, a terrorist organization which has killed, slaughtered, beheaded. And taking hostages. Wow. Unbelievable. Broadway Billy, uh, let me run down the lineup. It's time for Jews and Gentiles to catch up. Jews and Gentiles must catch up. First rally that I will be attending, hopefully I will see all of you there. you got no reasons not to be there. I know, oh, it's going to rain, it's going to be inclement. You know the old Jewish mother, the old Bubi and Zeta. Oh, if you go out in the rain, you'll catch pneumonia. No, you won't. It's called Brooklyn Unites for Israel. Finally, after what happened less than 24 hours ago, you better be united. Ocean Parkway. All the Assyrians there, right? Hopefully they haven't fled the deal and they're hiding in their mansions there on the Jersey Shore right before Asbury Park. But Ocean Parkway between avenues O and P starts at 12 o'clock at the Colonel David Marcus Park. I'll be there. Now, if I can be there, don't give me an excuse that you can't be there. Back-to-back, belly-to-belly, following up outside the United Nations at 2 p.m. In just a few hours, mothers standing up for mothers. 
You're being invited, mothers, to come stand with mothers in solidarity for the 30 kidnapped children. And they have them all listed by age, by photograph, and where they're from in Israel. If you have a stroller, bring it along. That's 2 o'clock outside of the United Nations off of 42nd and 1st, a little up across the street from the United Nations in Dag Hamishaw Plaza, 2 o'clock. It's preferred that you yourself be a mother and you bring a stroller, bring it along. And then the mother of all rallies, never again is now. That's what it's called. Thousands of flyers of the Israeli hostages that have been ripped down all over town, brazenly, boldly, by mostly young people, some of them Jews, on college campuses and around the campuses and high schoolers. And the tagline on the poster is, bring them home. That'll be today at 3 o'clock at 41 Cooper Square, right? At Cooper Union Institute, where you saw the video, the graphic video, just a few days ago. Jewish uh, young adults trapped inside the library. And supporters of the Palestinians was outside like a mob attempting to... uh, bang on the door and get inside. And I guarantee you, it wasn't to have hamantashin and to have an utatsida cafe, coffee, and discuss their differences. They uh, had only negative thoughts on their minds. Thank God they weren't able to break in. But speaking uh, will be Sid Rosenberg. He at one time considered anybody getting involved in uh, rallies foolish make fun of them. Now he is uh, hes not only a rally goer, he hosts rallies like he has with me in keeping illegal aliens out of Floyd Bennett Field. The update, four tenths up, three more to go on runway 19, which at one point, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, wants to house 7,000 single able-bodied young men, illegal, of military age, with nothing to do and nowhere to go. We will stop that. But he is now going to be speaking at the rally today at Cooper Union Institute. He'll be speaking at about 345. I'll be there with some of the guardian angels. Uh, probably they'll let me speak at some point. I've got to probably speak first because i got to head out to uh, Staten Island to continue the rallies against the illegal alien invasion. This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. 77 WABC News starts now. 60 and cloudy on this Sunday, October 29th. Good morning, I'm Noam Layden. Israel says it's begun the second and most important phase of its war to root out and get rid of Hamas in Gaza. Hamas terrorists operate inside and under Shifa Hospital and other hospitals in Gaza with network of terror tunnels. 
It's not clear what the second phase of the war will mean to the over 200 being held hostage by Hamas in Gaza. The Hamas-led health ministry in Gaza says over 6,000 have been killed there by Israeli airstrikes. The city's sanitation workers have a new contract with City Hall. Mayor Adams says the five-year deal covers more than 7,000 workers. Our men and women who actually make this city operate in a real way. And they're there. They show up. They show up every day. They show up during covid they show up during snowstorms. Sanitation workers will get between three and a quarter and four percent raises each year. The FDNY giving away free smoke alarms. FDNY Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh says the city responds to a lot more fires when the weather turns cold. You can pick up the free smoke alarm at the fire department, Red Cross, and the FDNY Foundation in Brooklyn. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center back to fall-like weather later today. Showers high 59. It's six and cloudy outside our Midtown studios right now. I'm Noam Layden. Remember the news. It never stops at WABCRadio.com. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
Great song by Joe Walsh. In the City, the theme song for The Warriors, a cult movie classic. Any of you uh, want to know what it was like in the subway system of New York in the 70s, you got to You got to watch The Warriors. Gangs riding the subway lines, outnumbering the cops. Warriors come out to play, probably the most memorable line. But more importantly, it came out simultaneously to when I founded the Guardian Angels to patrol the subways that were crime-ridden on February 13th of 1979 as a night manager of Mickey D's on East Fordham Road and Webster. We now exist in 13 countries, 130 cities with about 5,000 members, and we have remained true to our mission of patrolling streets and subways uh, all over the world where there are problems and whereas we had a breather here in New York. Once Rudy Giuliani was elected mayor in 1992 and sworn in in 1993, and then, boy, things really started to straighten themselves out. Uh, Rudy always recognized our contribution to that effort and always praised us and uh, Gave us tactical air support all over the world, wherever we were being invited. Uh, would talk to the mayors, would talk to the police commissioners, would talk to the police unions and say, look, these are going to be the good guys and good gals in your community. They're not going to ask for anything uh, in terms of compensation of any type. And they're going to be, uh, in some instances, your first line of defense when you don't have cops. But we are now sacrificing our subways to the criminals and, more importantly, the emotionally disturbed. Although we don't have the gang problem like we had in the 70s, where you had tens of thousands of gang members, many of them using the subways as if it was their veins and arteries of transportation. The problem we have now is that attacks can occur at any moment of the day or night, independently and autonomously. And generally, it's at the hands of emotionally disturbed persons, people who are mentally ill and are in need of short-term and long-term care, which, for the most part, they're not getting now. Just want to give you a little bit of slice out of the life of my uh, wife, Nancy, who, as you know, for the past few hours, uh, with the hunter moon out there, known as the harvest moon also, She has been baying to the moon as Lone Wolf One. That's her nickname. And the cats uh, are rescue cats. When nocturnal to begin with, they have uh, been at rapt attention as they hear her howling from in the middle of Central Park, right near the Rambles on one of the larger boulders that overlook a lot of the footpaths that lead in and out of the rambles. So when she begins to howl in that capacity, it is a warning to everyone, stay away. Lone Wolf One is on the way. But she, like everybody else, uses the subways. It is the veins and arteries of transportation for those who live in the city. And I just want to give you a thumbnail sketch of what occurred to her the other day. Getting to the C station on 50th Street to get home went as follows. She was getting ready to descend into the 50th Street station. 
8th, right there on 8th Avenue. But on street level, a woman was laid out on blankets with several items and clearly was in a hot mess, a drugged out mess. She was writing and all crunched up and moving oddly. She seemed to be in her 20s, but was real crazy looking. Next to her was a homeless panhandler just begging, so you have to maneuver through them in order to get to the subway. Once on the C train, Nancy was annoyed by a guy having a fairly loud conversation on his phone. At some point, she looked up to realize he was talking to himself, and the rest of the riders weren't even close to him. So Nancy switched trains at 59th Street and Columbus, only to be on the car with a sprawled-out homeless and smelly guy. Once she arrived at 86, she caught an older vagrant who was uh, looking at another man sleeping on the bench on the platform who seemed to have intentions of trying to jackroll him and pick his pockets. And that was just on her one ride on the MTA money-taking agency just going four stops, all within the course of one hour. That's how bad the subways are getting. For instance, uh, our colleague Greg Kelly, uh, when uh, I was broadcasting uh, from 12 to 3 in the noon before I left to run for mayor, only to come back, John Katzmatidis was kind enough five days after I had returned to have me back on air. Remember, my first job was to uh, uh, make sure that, who is that guy named Russo, became a person of no consequence. Boy, that that didn't take me long. I went to work, and I've been working ever since. I'm on every morning, Monday through Fridays, with Sid Rosenberg at 7.05. Breaking news, always. That's my forte, breaking news, And my wife assists because she checks, double checks and triple checks everything that I've had, I've been given access to, whether by rats at City Hall or other governmental agencies or whatever my research uh, dredges up. It's my wife, Nancy, who will check, double check, triple check and give me either a yellow light, a green light or a red light on that information, which would suggest that I need to hold my horses And make sure I put it up on the shelf until we can fully confirm all the different points. And uh, that has worked out quite well. But Greg Kelly always used to ride the subways. I used to run into him on the E-train. I would say I've run into Greg Kelly before I ran for the mayoralty while working here at WABC, and he was working at Newsmax, which isn't too far from WABC. And I saw him at least three separate times on the E-train. And then I've heard him of late say that he refuses to ride the subway train. Now, this guy was never afraid of the subway before, so I can't think it's just fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. We enforce these elements and these rules. No more smoking, no more doing drugs, no more sleeping, no more doing barbecues on the subway system, no more just doing whatever you want. No, those days are over. In fairness to the mayor, we have had situations (laughs) where folks try and barbecue on the subway. Get the hell out of here, Dominic. You a pizza. You took his kisser. 
Well, there have been uh, occasions where people have tried to barbecue on the subway. What the hell are you talking about? Hell no. Now, to Dominic's credit, city boy, born and raised in the Bronx, Patterson Projects, 138th and 3rd, no joke, then moved uptown to the Throgsneck Projects right there on the Throgsneck Parkway, no joke. But you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong, Dominic, in trying to cover up for your homeboy, the mayor. You could not. Did I hear what Dominic had to say again? I can't believe this appeaser, this butt kisser. In fairness to the mayor, we have had situations where folks try and barbecue on the subway. Where? Where? And you have been on the subway on a regular basis. There's no doubt about that, Dominic Carter. But where, where, where have you seen people trying to barbecue on the subway? God. Every day I'm on the subway. You go to my social networking. Go to my Facebook. Go to my, uh, go to my Elon Musk. What is that? Uh, Twitter. Go to Instagram. Go to TikTok where I have 150,000 followers. Please, please. Do not disconnect us from the red Chinese TikTok. They'll go 150,000 young people. That's how they know what I do and who I am and how off the hook I can be. I'm talking about kids as young as 8 to 14 that'll come up to me in the streets who are visiting here in New York. Say, oh, I know you. You're the TikTok guy in the red beret and the red satin jacket. That's me. And they can't believe some of the things that I've done that have been posted on TikTok, and that's why all of you should check it out. Remember, you check out my Facebook postings. I assure you it's not what I had for breakfast at Denny's. You know, the super slam with extra bacon. Nope. It's real good street stuff. Now, I know you go to WABCradio.com. You go to all the postings on Instagram, and a lot of it is in studio, and it's obviously what you may have heard before, but now you get to see it. You know, a video, a uh, mini, mini, mini uh, video podcast. That's not what I do. I'm sorry. I, I just don't do that. For me, it's it's time to be out in the streets. Time to be out in the streets because things have gone so awry. I just don't see the cops in the subways. Never, almost never, never, never. Let's go to Helen calling from Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Helen. Hi, Curtis. How are you? I called you. Let me take you over speaker, Curtis. One second. Okay. Very I good. Very good. Good last night because I love talking to you and I love listening to you on Friday and Saturday. Anyway, I want to talk about Madonna. I used to love Madonna, but she's got to change her way. She used to say she was hardcore Jewish fan. Now she's not. She's saying all these nasty things. She's of age. She should be talking a little better for all these kids. She's a role model. They should be following her a little better. Well, you know, it was very convenient for her to say that she had become involved as a whirling dervish in the mysticism of Habala, brought to uh, the world by the Hasidim many, many centuries ago. They have essentially become uh, whirling dervishes, dancing while praying to uh, Torah and Talmud. So, uh, Helen, uh, she took advantage of a good thing back then. Uh, no heat was on her then. But now that there's heat on, whether you support yeah, right, you support Hamas or you support uh, Israel, you're going to catch heat. No, I support the Jewish people. Exactly. Exactly. But I don't know if Montana does. Now, 
Uh, has she converted to the Judaic religion? Do we have any idea of that, Helen? I don't have no idea, Curtis. I haven't really looked up on it, and I don't want to answer you. And I have another question I need to Hold ask Hold on a sec. We need to establish the credibility, the sustainability of Madonna as a Kabbalist who is dancing a whirling dervish as we speak, maybe in the Negev Desert. No, I doubt it. But she is a fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi follower of... Fugazi, that's right, Fugazi. That's right, a, a Fugazi follower of Kabbalah, because all of a sudden, I don't see her commenting on what's going on in the Middle East of the Persian Gulf. Do you, Helen? Har- no, horrible. Disgusting. Skivasa, as my mother would say, Skivasa. Ah, Skivasa. That's like a Skivosa. That's right. Skivata. Oh, I haven't heard that in a month of Sundays. Curtis, I'm going to ask you something. What happens if Trump goes to jail? I'm very nervous. No, me nervous. I've been in jail 80 times, right? He'll have a no, co- but what happens? Will he be president then, oh, he, from jail? He could. No, no, he could. He could. And he's not going to go to jail uh, for any substantive uh, amount of times. And if he is found guilty by any one of these uh, number of court cases, whether federal or uh, state or in Fulton County, uh, he'll appeal it. And it'll probably be thrown yeah. out on appeal. I, I don't. That that should be the least of your worries, Helen. We got so much more uh, to be worried I about. Know, but I'm a hardcore Republican, and he will be the one to fix it. Him and you. And if you become mayor, you guys will be able to fix what's going on. At least a little bit of you guys could put it in the right direction. I think what we have to do, Helen, is we need to have Madonna become our spiritual advisor. We need her dancing as a whirling dervish at a temple, like a harlot, right? A harlot, is that, uh, that a little bit too hmm, difficult a term to apply to Madonna, even though she herself has called herself the most despicable things that a woman could ever entertain to be? But she claims she is a follower of Kabbalah, the mysticism of centuries ago, of the Hasidim deep in Romania and Hungary with the Roman people, the gypsies. Ah, the gypsies who came out of India and then spread their tentacles all throughout the European sphere to the point where we even have gypsies here. I want to know how they can be paying the leases or rents of about six to seven thousand dollars a month for a storefront when you never see them making any money, do you? No. no. How many people could have their palms red? How many people could have their their pimples felt on their face, and that that person could actually tell that gypsy based on the number of pimples you didn't get removed by getting your clearance so early on in life, what kind of a life you were going to have? I don't trust Madonna. I think she is guilty of usury. She has used the Jewish people. She has claimed that she has mastered the various levels of Kabbalahism. I doubt that. I think she's just pimping off Kabbalahism because it was cool, it was hip, and it's happening. But now that her entire, entire industry in Hollywood is turned against anybody having anything to do with the state of Israel... Or those hostages. 
by the way, whose uh, posters will be replaced today after that mother of all rallies takes place that our own Sid Rosenberg will be involved in. It's hard for me to imagine he's become an activist broadcaster. An activist who used to make fun of these people. Never again is now, says the flyer. Thousands of flyers of Israeli hostages have been printed up and will replace all of those that were torn down, shorn down by anti-Semites and those who hate the state of Israel and Jewish people. Why do you rip it off? Why do you rip it off? Why do you rip it off? Put it back. Why do you rip it off? Put it back. Whoa, show me what you're holding. So, yeah, keep it on. No, what are you doing? You know where they are right now? Do you have any idea where they are right now? All right. I'm a veteran. I'm telling you. Right. Don't do it. I'm not Jewish. He's not Jewish. I don't know if he is or not. It doesn't f-ing matter. This is f-ing the U.S. That's New York City. You don't have a right to touch that. This is a free country. You can wave your Palestine flag and say death to the Jews or America, whatever you want. But we can put up sign. Okay? We can. Then don't rip that down. You are doing something. You're offending us. Yeah, you are. When you throw that on the floor, you're littering the city. In a minute, I'm going to litter the Oh, they gave me such knockers, those Verizon installers, all of them Gentiles. Saw a guy traipsing through the streets of Forest Hills near about 108th in Queens, uh, Queens Boulevard. And he was sashaying, touching, and just ripping down those posters that had been put up. Thousands of posters talking about all the hostages and showing pictures of them that the terrorist group and the ruling government of Gaza had taken into custody. Um, And they were really well done uh, flyers. I saw quite a few of them. And underneath, it would very simply say that... uh, these posters should be shared within neighborhoods, uh, and it shouldn't be adopted that it's not my backyard. It certainly is. We need to come together in solidarity, Jews and Gentiles. It can't be just Jews alone. You can't do the heavy lifting on your own. That's why I have said to you, forget the Kabbalists. Forget those spiritualists. Forget those who are like whirling dervishes. And would take you back to the ages in the old shtetls of Eastern Europe in the 400s uh, A.D., uh, in which they were being prejudiced against, and then they had to use novel and very creative ideas in order to be able to maintain any wealth, any money. And all the places they would hide the money when they'd be on the run. It was absolutely unbelievable. Think about that. Where's my Madonna? I need Madonna because I need to know what the Kabbalists are doing. Kabbalists are doing. Other than dancing like whirling dervishes. Is Madonna ready to go to the Middle East and Persian Gulf and negotiate the peace? Is she ready? Is she ready to function as a Madahari? Sleeping with the enemy? How much with the Grand Mufti or whatever the hell that fake, phony, fraudulent, uh, uh, what do they call him, Sheikh, uh, I don't know, in Saudi Arabia with the fake uh, mustache and beard, you know, when they come over to 
uh, New York, no longer in the land of Mecca and Medina, protecting, uh, you know, all the symbols of the Muslim faith. They're here in New York being decadent, debaucherous, wearing knockoff Armani suits, doing cocaine, drinking, and chasing trim. And how much would those fake, phony, fraudulent uh, princes from the House of Fraud pay to have sex with Madonna one day? She's singing a tribute to Elon Musk, who says that his uh, force of satellites called Star, not Light, but Starlink, will provide the Gaza connectivity. And yet, is that a help to Hamas? Because Israel is fuming. Maybe Madonna can use her Matahari ways to to uh, soothe the savage beast of Elon Musk. Who knows which way he goes. Let's go to John, who's calling from Sullivan County. Your turn to be heard here, John. Are you in the Irish Alps or the Jewish Himalayas uh, up there in the Catskills? I spoke to you last night, Curtis. I'm in the Jewish part. Um... The playhouse these guys should go to, uh, Bernie and, um, so, I mean, excuse me, Sid Rosenberg and, uh, Mr. O'Reilly is called the Forestburg Playhouse. It's off Route 42 in Forestburg, Sullivan County. Now, um, that guy taking the posters off as a, as an ex-construction worker myself, they should have lured him into the Alamac, which is the outside elevator of the construction building. Taking them up to the top floor and just tossed them right off the building. <clears throat> the movie The Warriors, phenomenal movie. Um, one of my absolute favorites, like Taxi Driver. <clears throat> Years ago, I had um, one of the actors in my cab, Michael Beck, who played uh, Swan. And he told me some fascinating stuff. Uh, two weeks before making that movie, he became a born-again Christian. Um, the scenes, the fighting scenes, were the real deal. Everybody had it. All the extras had to sign contracts that they wouldn't sue if they got hurt. And scenes like in Central Park and whatnot, guys were literally taken out with broken ribs, broken uh, clavicles and whatnot. And um, the movie was filmed 99% during the night until they arrived at the end in their beloved Coney Island. And lastly, the actor Tom Waits, whose name was the fox in the movie, the reason he got into the tussle with the with the cop on the subway platform and got tossed onto the oncoming subway train was because he got fired on the set. So uh, <laughs> it really brings back memories. And another movie <clears throat> you may want to get on Netflix, which is old New York. It's called Night of the Juggler. You got to rent that movie, Night of the Juggler. 
with uh, James Brolin. Anyway, Curtis, keep up the great work. You're the best. Do we appreciate that. Thank you for that information about the Forestburg Theater as a potential venue. If I can convince our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who's got another great show coming up in a few hours, all of his guests, they go uh, viral, start making headlines. Sunday bleeds into Monday and into Tuesday, 8 to 10. 8 to 10 this morning. Wow. The Forestburg. That was such a great show, that two-man show on Friday night at the Paramount on New York Avenue in Huntington that I made the suggestion because it exceeded all expectations. It had nothing to do with politics, which made it so good. It's about the life and times of these two guys. They couldn't be any more similar at times and any more different at times. Really just good stuff. I think John uh, Katzmatidis should try to take it on the road. There are so many WABC fans in southern New Jersey and northern New Jersey combined. And again, you're talking the state of New Jersey. More people per capita, per person, listen to WABC in the Garden State, New Jersey, than anywhere else in America. We could do one in Brooklyn, maybe one in Staten Island, one in Connecticut, one in Westchester, one in the Mid-Hudson Valley. And I could be like... uh, a real impresario here, like Swifty Lazar, man, organizing these. Now, getting Sid, I don't think will be difficult. All we got to do is tell him there are a thousand people, and he'll be there in a heartbeat. You know, he loves to get stroked. Bill O'Reilly, uh, he strikes me as being a bit of a curmudgeon. He could be the difficult one. But the hell, we could always substitute, right? We could have uh, the expert in this. He recently was with William Shatner, as you know, uh, on the stage. Uh, I believe it was in Teaneck, New Jersey. And be- Before that, Red Bank. There was Frank, uh, the Mameluke, now known as Frank Hamas Morano, interviewing his hero, William Shatner, who I would deport to Canada for being a murderer of his wife. There's no doubt in my mind he pushed his wife into that pool, even though he had an alibi that he was in California at the time and she was in O Canada. I do not in any way, shape, or form trust William Shatner, although I think expeditiously that might be the appropriate thing to do especially coming on the heels of the announcement of our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, that with Greg Kelly, who uh, is away on assignment uh, Tuesday from 1 to 3, hush, hush, mush, mush, substituting for him that day, that day only, will be two guys that I hate, I loathe, I despise. Andrew Evilites Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, will be in one side of the broadcast booth. And in the other side will be Scaramucci, who is so vile, so despicable. He reminds me of somebody who was living in the basement of his mother, uh, operating right next to the boiler room, you know, with a laptop computer and doing pump and dump schemes for the banana crime family. With penny stocks, that's what he reminds me of, even though I know he doesn't do that. I mean, Scaramucci and Cuomo, my God, that makes my skin crawl. Now, you know, I've seen you referred to a little bit recently as the love gov, and I'm wondering if that's bleeding into your demeanor at all, making you a little soft on the president. 
um, that you don't want to really criticize him because you need him. And now's not a time for fighting. But don't you have to balance that with calling him out uh, if he's doing things that you don't think are great for the people of your state to be hearing and experiencing? Love gov. I'm, I've always I've always been a soft guy. I am the love gov. I'm a cool dude in loose mood. You know that. I just say, let it go. Just go with the flow, baby. You know. I'm a cool dude. What What the hell was that? So I want to rename what this show will be one day, one day only this Tuesday. From one to three, right after me, the Rip and Read. You know, I'm on Monday through Fridays, 12 to 1, Rip and Read. Before that with Sid, 7.05, Monday through Fridays. I want to name that Skifosa versus Spachin. The Skifosa being uh, Scaramucci. Uh, the Spachin being Andrew Evilize Como, King Como II, the son of Mario Faccia Bruta Como, the original Spachin. Uh, may I give a salute, Broadway Billy, to Andrew Evilize Como, who I know is listening on our FM affiliate as we speak, that reaches the east end of Long Island and the compound he runs that belongs to his brother Fredo. Chris Cuomo with a muscle between both ears. But Andrew Evilize Cuomo fancies himself as Michael Corleone as they stir the marinara sauce. They've hit the mattresses. Joining them in his attempted comeback is the leg breaker of the Cuomo years of both Mario and Andrew. Uh, Joe, hmm, the hell is his name again? How did I forget? How the hell did I forget the name of Joe Pococo. It was momentary. It was absolutely momentary. Can you imagine in this studio, in one corner, the Svachim, Andrew Evilize Cuomo, and in the other corner, the uh, Skivosa, Scaramucci. Andrew, Ascend me to you, Provinos Fachim, and like your father, Mario, you are. <sighs> oh, I love it. Hit him! Hit him! Break his leg! Let's go to Chris in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Chrissy, Chris. Good morning, Curtis. Uh, Curtis, you know, uh, I live in Brooklyn, and I have another residence in Pennsylvania. And I was out yesterday, and there's motorcycles on the sidewalk. Motorcycles, not electric bikes. Electric bikes also going down Meeker Avenue. I'm watching motorcycles, one after another, going through red lights in both directions. It's, like, pretty incredible. And uh, not a cop around, and I thought this clown... People are uh, leaving. People are Oh, hold on a second, Chris. Um, I heard emerging Dub Hyken, who recently got back from his uh, trip to Israel, where he was down in the bunkers showing solidarity with his peeps. Uh, Dub, what did you want to add to this conversation, Dub? New York is a freaking mess. I think we can agree with that, Chris. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, on the corner of my house, you know, the, we, the, we have... Uh, People paying $2 million to live in apartments that are ridiculous. And there's uh, hypodermic needles all over the street. In the daytime, there's people standing on the subway steps, going down into the subway, talking to themselves. It's, it's, it's a sin. 
And uh, why has and I had dinner with a Mancini yesterday, who said that we needed you as the mayor. <clears throat> ah, I know it seems to be uh, the last two callers. They seem to have the what the spatula in their throat. What do they call that? The spectrum. Uh, I forget what you call it. Very unnerving to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's go to Gary and Inwood. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Gary. Good morning, Curtis. A uh, question with this offer from the mayor, one-way ticket to anywhere in the world, is he under the assumption that these illegals have passports? <laughs> You're right. They haven't been asked to show any identification for them to fly. Uh, How is that possible? Well... Uh, you know, let me, so let me interrupt you. Yes, I go. I go to Ireland a lot. I'm not getting to Ireland if I don't have a passport. It doesn't work. That's true. But you see, the mayor, oftentimes, as you seen, is uh, he shoots his lip fast, and then his staff can keep up with him and explain to him, "Yes, you can do that, Mister Mayor. You can do that." I think he just threw it out there for consumption and. Uh, like you've asked that question, Gary, a lot of other people have. I think uh, I would say that if the mass majority of illegal aliens, some of whom I've run across, were given that option of going anywhere they wanted to, they would probably want to go to Maui, Maui in Hawaii. They probably want to be embraced by Oprah Winfrey. They probably be want to be embraced by uh, Barack Obama and The Rock. Right, The Rock was apologizing the other day. Well, you know, I know to a lot of people it looked like a scam what was going on in Maui, raising money. And we got plenty of money ourselves. Oprah, Barack, myself, we could probably fund all of this. You're absolutely right. So is that scam still in operation, the fundraising? You know, Hillary is involved. Is this another Clinton Foundation fundraising opportunity? It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. Castle 
go to those food wagons anymore. In today's New York Post, many of those guys that are preparing that food that so many of you, especially Jews, are online for, for sometimes an hour or more, the shawarmas, the baba ganoush, the falafelas, are being made by guys who are praising Hamas and saying, if I only could, I would be a jihadist too. What did you learn earlier this morning that my wife Nancy was howling at the hunter moon, a.k.a. the harvest moon out there in Central Park, is a fan of candy corns, which comes with Halloween, and I am a foe. She raves about the, the candy corns, and I'm in a rage about them. <laughs> Ah, shut up. And what we didn't get into was how, believe it or not, Kanye West was drawing swastikas in his Adidas meetings over the years, told a Jewish manager to kiss Hitler's portrait every day, and we never found out about that. Why? Because he was making millions and Adidas was making billions. And by the way, uh, that reminds me. Remember Tucker Carlson had that two-day exclusive interview with uh, uh, with Kanye West when he wore that White Lives Matter shirt on the runways in Paris? Remember two straight days? And uh, Kanye West was spewing, spewing all kinds of anti-Semitism. And Tucker Carlson said to him, do you really want me to leave that into this interview? And he said, absolutely, Tucker and Tucker decided, nah, I'm going to take it out. Like, I am a god. Everybody says, who does he think he is? I just told you who I thought I was. A god. Yeah, I yeah. can say anti-Semitic things and Adidas can't drop me. Now what? Now what? They dropped you. <laughs> like, I am a god. Everybody says, who does he think he is? I just told you who I thought I was. A god. Man, you are, you are a freak. By the way, look like today, and everyone knows that you know I'm I'm the leader, I'm the king, right? So, uh, a, a king can't live in someone else's castle. A king has to make his own castle. Yeah, out in Montana, pal. Meantime, no one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. What the hell was that? And then Screwy Louis Farrakhan, who loves Kanye as Kanye loves Screwy Louis Farrakhan, Farrakhan, has insisted that his $5 billion defamation suit against the Anti-Defamation League will continue because he's not an anti-Semite. What? And the whale! Oh, Congressman Jerry Nadler, he has emerged, the whale... And he has decided that all these Jewish students that are getting attacked, 
are entitled to protection from threats, intimidation, and outright violence. Let me let me applaud the whale, Gerald Nadler, except he's claiming that you have to sue the schools because they might be in violation of the federal civil rights laws. Please, I do not want that guy, the whale, in the foxhole with me. And who could ever forget when Columbia University invited Ahmadinejad? I'm in the mood for jihad. Remember the president of Iran to come speak at Columbia University before he joined the march of the dictators, despots, and tyrants at the annual General Assembly meeting of the United Nations? Remember when he told the students there, what problems with gays? And lesbians. We have no gays or lesbians in Iran. That's right, because you killed them. We have no oppression of women in Iran. That's because you make them wear that chedora or they disappear. And then there was the NYU law student president who was filmed ripping up those posters of the Hamas hostages who immediately said, when referring to me, you must do proper gender identification because today I may be a boy, tomorrow I may be a girl. That says all you need to know about that freaky-deaky situation. And, oh, yes, Columbia University that is sitting on a $10 billion endowment with NYU sitting on a $4 billion endowment. And remember, they use a lot of that money to go into the neighborhoods, Morningside Heights near Columbia University and Greenwich Village by NYU, buy up a lot of the private property that is on the tax rolls for property tax, which removes it from the tax rolls, makes a lot of money in the process, and obviously adds to an endowment. Well, Columbia University has delayed its annual fundraising blitz because of the criticism over their lack of response to what is happening in the Middle East and the Persian Gulf. Oh, my God. And again, I want all of you to know that whereas the New York City Police Police Department and elected officials said to Jews in Brooklyn on Friday, don't go out into the streets of Brooklyn for Shabbat on Saturday and uh, don't come to Brooklyn on Saturday. When we return the tribute to the two Jews who stood for all of you who were MIA. An Israeli Jew who was on the 
pedestrian path of the Brooklyn Bridge took on the thousands of uh, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian demonstrators that had already taken over the Brooklyn Bridge and were on their way to sacking the Lower East Side into Washington Square Park and Union Square, where they stopped to say in chorus, in unison, long live Hamas. That Israeli Jew, we don't know who he is yet. He took them all on. They called him a Zionist. He said, damn right, I'm a proud Zionist. Zionist, uh, number one here at WABC, Sid Rosenberg, will be right at Astor Place in the Cooper Union Institute right there, where he will be addressing the crowd as they are being given the many posters to replace all of those that were ripped down of the hostages. Uh, I will be 12 o'clock at the... Unity Rally the for Israel in Brooklyn between Avenue O and P at that park, uh, Ocean Parkway, at 12. And for the rest of you, get out into the streets and fight for what you know is right. Don't surrender, don't retreat, and don't ever vacate from the streets again.